Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast presented by the best golf app in the business, 18 Birdies. This is the OHL Classic from Mayakoba. Let's get into it. All right, what's up, everybody? DB here for another edition of the Tour Junkies podcast. This week, it's the OHL Classic at Mayakoba. But before we get into that, all that action, I have got to introduce my, my talented co-host for the night. He is famous. I, I call him the trailblazer of just excellent DFS-based podcast. He is your favorite Canadian. He's a handsome devil. He just left the gym, so he's just getting more handsome for us all. He's known for his nicknames of people. He's known as the hardest working man in the biz, and I'm honored to, I, I think, call him a friend, hopefully, and, and also just an inspiration to us all, including the Tour Junkies. Mr. Pat Mayo, we are upgrading the Pats tonight. What's up, Pat? How are you, buddy? I don't think it's fair to say that we're upgrading the Pats. It's, it's, a, push, oh, it's, it's a push at best, if anything. And yeah, that is, I think that we, is false. I think we confirmed our actual friendship by starting a text thread together. And once you got a text thread, then you're friends. But, but it, it took too long for that. It really did. It, it took it took too long. I don't know why that wasn't happening sooner. We were spending way too much time on the Twitter machine that just DMs were easier. Yeah, and it turns out that everyone just owns an iPhone. That's true. And isn't that great? Like, I don't know how it is, but I definitely, like, quite, when I first meet somebody, I'm like, oh, yeah, give me, let's get you, let's exchange numbers. And I type it in and it's green. I'm like at that point I'm kind of like uh, this probably isn't going to work out. Yeah, know? not not for me. But th- but then you go to like you go to Europe and nobody has an iPhone. You know, like yeah. Samsung dominates over there, or LG or whatever. Yeah, well then you tell them to go back to Europe, please. <laughs> about Europe. So it's another week without my boy Pat Perry. This is his last week off, so so he he needed a little he needed a little break. Pat was getting he was getting way too cranky, way too emotional. You know. And uh, he just needed a break, man. And we, you know, you've been doing it longer than we have, and you do a hell of a lot more content than we do. But after three years, this is the first time any one of us has like taken a break, other than the one week a year we go on vacation with our family. So it was much deserved. And uh, Pat needed to to go sit and time out and work on his uh, emotional state for a minute. So last week we had our friend Paul Apian, uh, who is a PJ Tour Latino America player. And just a, a great guy grinding it out in the mini tour levels and Monday qualifiers to try to make it to the big show one of these days. Very insightful discussion I had with Paul. Um, but but this week we get we get goat Pat, which I'm really happy about. Pat, what by the way, what's new with you, man? Like talk about what's going on in your life. Share what you want to share, but but also talk about all that goes on in the Pat Mayo, you know, DFS and fantasy and podcast machine that you got going on. This is the weirdest time of year. Like, like I, I love football. That's why I do so much football stuff. And football basically keeps the lights on in my house. It, it allows me to do things like talk about golf full time when football is yeah. not having to talk about baseball, getting to talk about The Bachelor and, and crap like that. So, but like, it's we're into week 10 now for football. And I've still been doing golf every single week that golf has been on uh obviously jeff and i aren't doing the show together betting wise we're doing the football betting show but i'm still doing the DraftKings show every single tuesday so it's uh, this part of the year is such a grind i actually can't wait for the swing season to kind of be over in two weeks like i actually kind of really liked i like doing the sanderson i like doing the shriners i like doing the safeway i hate 
these no cut Asian events. They really piss me. I'm with you. I'm with you. Like there's no there's no shot link. Like there's no cut. Like I, I don't. I feel obligated that I have to do it. Like you said, you go on break. Same. Like I, I I haven't been on break in ages. Like I'll take a tournament or two off during the course of the year. And that will basically be it. Yeah, I'll take like a week's vacation. I usually have shows to cover it. Like I'll do a, you know, here's what's going on the rest of the season instead of doing the memorial that week or whatever week I tend to take off. Right. But I, I think it's important to get away. And I think the listeners want you to get away too. Like I think I'm going to end up doing like 402 shows this year. Like that's too many. That's too many. Wow. Shows. Wow. And congratulations too. You're you're approaching 10 million listens, right? Or 10 million downloads? Is that right? Yeah, 10 million downloads for the year. It's been a it's been that's a very huge productive year for the show. I, I think people were kind of stunned by the number because I know a lot of people listen to the show and they like they talk to me about the show, but I think they think they're the only people who listen. So it's <laughs> nice. Like it kind of it was kind of jarring for people to see that number. Well, congratulations, man. And and one of the things I meant, one of the things I was going to say in your intro, and I forgot. I don't know if you did. You have a chance to listen to our show last week with Paul Apian, or were you just too busy recording one of or five of four hundred and two podcasts? I did not hear it last week. Okay. Usually, usually, when you guys have like specialty guests on, if I don't like, if I miss the episode that week for the tournament, I'll probably just skip it and move on to the next week. I always download it though because that's important. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, well, they should we, all we, download. But, always download. Don't stream. We gave out uh, some Halloween costumes that we would think PGA Tour players would go as. And the number one was Ricky Fowler as an emotional support animal because he's always behind the 72nd hole, you know, waiting for, waiting for all his buddies on the green. He's on all the vacations. I kind of feel like you're the Ricky Fowler of the – especially the DFS golf industry because there is literally not a – I'm yet to find anyone on the Twitter world that dislikes Pat Mayo. Like you, you are the one guy, the one personality that has managed to to appease and appeal to everyone in the industry. And 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 it's getting it's getting, especially in our little golf little circle, it's getting a lot bigger than it used to be, you know? And I mean the the NFL deal has always been huge and uber competitive. But I mean, it's it's remarkable like how good you know everyone how much everybody respects you and it shows up when you got 10 million listens and you got guys like tommy g who gives nobody credit on twitter you know throwing out love to you and um and and it just speaks a lot about who you are and and we really appreciate you coming on and supporting us and i called you last minute tonight to, to hop on for me and i appreciate you doing that um and and i hope you know how much we all we all really do respect you and appreciate you and you are the trailblazer, especially for us golf podcasters. It means it's uh, it's, it's an always an honor to have you on. Well, I, I really appreciate that. I think you're wrong with that, though. I, I there's a lot of people that, especially my like, it's funny as the way you describe it. Everyone likes me in my like day to day life. Everyone hates my guts, so it's 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 kind of <laughs> nice to have that that people like me. You know, people don't like me. Jump into my mentions, by the way. Jump into the comment section on some of the stuff. People really, truly despise me people industry people like me because i'm not on anyone's corner i give bad advice and i give free advice so no one really yeah. gives a shit about me <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's true um well i mean we give bad advice and it's all free but you know people still hate us so i don't i don't know what it is man but it's something about you uh, i mean you're just uh you're, you're just a, an all-around uh good good you're you're the ricky fowler that's what i'm saying like you're the ricky fowler tony finau of the of the golf podcasting fantasy space. I'm, I'm just convinced. So you are, you're the emotional support animal for the, 
fantasy golf industry. I would like to pass that that job off to Feinberg if I could. <laughs> well, I don't know. Feinberg can get kind of testy at times. I, I love to see how far- he's he's perfect. He's like how I should be. <laughs> Love Feinberg, man. Uh, if you guys aren't listening to the Pat Mayo Experience uh, podcast, you are doing it wrong. Um, oh, so be you, sure. You told me you were listening to the the football show from Tay. I had I, I had Raza on uh, talking season long yep. waiver wire pickups. I thought he did <laughs> yeah. a good job. He did do a pretty good job. I yeah, I was texting you at the same time I was listening to your show, and I found myself almost texting you my opinions of your. I don't know. I felt for some reason I kind of zoned out and I thought I was in a conversation with you about Gronk and about tight ends. And so I was going to throw you a, my opinion. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is a recorded show. But yeah, Raza did a great job. I mean, yeah, what a weird position for him to have to be in, but he did pretty good. Yeah. Like I, I Chris Meany is usually who I have on on yeah. Monday. I usually have him in studio, but he, he's down in Cleveland. He went to the KC Cleveland game yesterday. I was trying to find a guest and kind of went through the Rolodex guys I was like well I mean I'm not gonna have Roz on for golf or football this week uh, for DraftKings I was like did you just want to go and talk guys and it's interesting too to get someone's perspective who only plays daily fantasy sort of their takes on players as it pertains to season long just because they don't care they don't think about stuff week to week when you kind of make their minds think about it that way it's like oh yeah maybe he's not the best he's, he's a guy that I would play in GPPs but never in cash games you kind of want like cash game guys for your season long team yeah, I was kind of shocked to hear he plays zero season long. You know, I mean, I, I've been playing season long for 15 years. And so I just kind of still assume that, yeah, I mean, you may be more into DFS now, but I kind of feel like everybody's hanging on to that one or two leagues that they've been in for forever and they still are really competitive with it. But maybe that's maybe that's changing. Yeah, I, season long is always going to be popular. But like you and I were saying right before I came on, like I'm, I'm about done with season long. Like it's just – it's so much <laughs> – it's so much work for so little payback that why wouldn't I just play DraftKings? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, let's uh, let's let's and, and then I and, and then I have guys in my league that I'm still trying to hunt down fifty bucks from. My home league is fifty dollars. Oh, freaking a! Come so on. 50, fifty bucks, and the rule is supposed to be you don't pay, you don't draft, and that was in place. And he's like, oh yeah, I don't have any money. I, I can't pay. It's like it's fifty dollars for seventeen. That's... For 16 weeks of fantasy football, it's like five bucks yeah. a week. Actually, That's unacceptable. Actually, it's way less than that because we were trying to up it to 100, and there was like three people like, "Whoa, whoa, 100 dollars!" Like, I, I don't know. It's like you spend over 100 dollars a week on cigarettes. Like, let's be real here. You, you got the money. You just don't want to pay me. That's. Uh... That's unreal. Um, I have no, I have no, uh, I have no patience for that. Fifty bucks. That's ridiculous. It's like 500. I get that. But, um, yeah, all right, thousand. Yeah. That would be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk Shriners real quick. Let's recap the Shriners. Bryson DeChambeau gets his fifth PGA Tour victory, his third in like just a couple of months. I mean, he won twice on the Tour Championship, uh, makes a dramatic eagle, of course, with the pin in. I don't know if you saw all that conversation I last week it. about – I love uh, it. I, love it. I, I like putting with the pin in too, so uh-huh. <laughs> it helps me. I, I, like I, I have good touch on my putts, and I feel like you can be more aggressive on your putts if the pin's in because you can wedge it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, in fact, I, I found myself talking about it. I played, I played my course on Saturday, and one of my buddies I was playing with, we we were both like just off the green and two on a par five, and he was like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "You know, what? I'll I'll Bryson this bad boy and leave it in." You know, it's uh, it, he's an interesting guy. Um, he's getting more and more fun to watch, and I'm just interested to hear his takes on so much. Um, 
but it, it, the, the guy's definitely lighting up the PGA Tour right now. Um, we didn't talk about him at all last week on our show. Like, I didn't talk about him as a fade, as a cash, as a GPP. I didn't talk about him at all. I, I, as if I just forgot he was even in the golf tournament. So I wasn't. Ah. I had no Bryson DeChambeau. Did you have any? That's that's why you needed to. I think the the proper move if you're going to play your lineups every week is to take some sort of cross section between my show and your show because he was my <laughs> guy you're... last week. Oh, that's. I, yeah, I played him in. I played him. I had an awesome. I was in second in the five dollar until yeah. Geez, four holes left on Sunday. I ended up. I came twenty fifth, seventieth, ninetieth. Like I, I had a really, really good week. I thought like at one point I was up like 30,000 bucks. I was like, let's do this. And then it just all went away. I ran out of guys, but I do, um, I contribute for GolfDigest.com now, uh, every week. I nice. for like three picks or whatever. I'm just like, and I gave my three picks last week, like, and they're, and they're bets. So the problem is when you, and like, I, I feel like really good about it. I was just like, yeah, Golf Digest is all right. It feels like I'm not as illegitimate as I am most of the time when I'm yelling at Feinberg <laughs> on the internet or just yeah. like writing snarky comments. But so I gave a detailed analysis of, and this kind of goes to like, some people get caught in doing too much research and I'm guilty of this too. I wrote a good yep. like 500 words on Cameron Davis. Why at 90 to one, he is a really good bet this week. And I went mm-hmm. in on it. I talked about how great he is on approach. I I talked about, um, you know, how in terms of birdies are better and something that we're going to talk about in terms of opportunities game. That's something that's really key when you think about a tournament that's going to have like a minus 20 winner. Like those are things that you're going to need to have. Then you hope to get a good putting week. And he had like the worst putting week ever. I I went deep dive on it. And I also bigged up Neiman at at 50 to one because he's my new Siwoo Kim and Luke list. Love him. I really think Neiman's going to win this year. Yep. And any he's going to play approximately 25 times. Anytime he's 25 to one or more, you should bet him because he's going to win once. And yep. if you win, he's going to pay it off. Uh, we're still waiting for Luke List. But here's what I wrote about Bryson. 12 to one. I just wrote, I never take short odds, but take a gander at the top odds, top odds of the board outside of Bryson. You have Finau, Fowler, Webb Simpson, Jordan Spieth. Combined, they have fewer wins than Bryson has over the past 16 months. Closers get coffee and they pay outright winner odds. And Bryson, he reads his ABCs. There's nothing behind mm. that besides wins, and these other idiots don't. That that was the reason to take Bryson. Like sometimes that's, it's that. That's that's a really good uh, that's a really good week for you. Good write up, man. So I'm I'm assuming you uh, you put your money where your mouth was. You had a little Bryson twelve to one, right? Oh, of course I did not. I actually kind of went over this. Uh, I it came down to it. I released my cheat sheet because they asked for these these write-ups on like a Monday. And I started thinking about it. And uh, I was mocking myself on Twitter about it that I I wrote on thir- on Wednesday night when I released the cheat sheet. I was like, I could take Bryson at 12 to 1 or I could bet these five other like yeah. Yeah. top fives for the same amount of money that I would yeah. need to invest. So I'll just take these five other guys instead of Bryson like an idiot. That's that's the temptation. That's I don't I don't do any short odds betting either, and that's just why. I mean, it's the poor man's betting method, I guess. Um, well, I, I'm thinking about changing up my betting method this year. Mm, I, I got okay. really breaking news. Sacky. I, I got really lucksacky last year and came out with a pretty good year based on like a couple long shot hits. But like you wait if you only if you don't bet the top of the board. And I'm not saying I'm going to start betting the top of the board, but I was betting like most weeks. I wasn't taking anyone that was like under 40 to one. I take like one guy in the 20s, Same. And go like 60, 80. And like those guys, 
they win so infrequently that you get really down on yourself when you don't hit the winners that I think that I had a lot of success the first year that I did the betting with Feinberg. And it was before I was really into modeling and looking at, you know, the digging into the stats completely and really trusting those. So I'm going to try to back off that a little bit. I think modeling and stats works a lot better for DraftKings than it does for outright betting. Like I think that's a better top 20 market, maybe a better head to head market, but outright winners takes a bit of gut feel to actually go with. And I really feel like a lot of winners come between 20 and 40 to one. So I'm going to make a really concerted effort to really hit guys in that area this year. Yeah, that's, that's a, I mean, it's a, that's a sharp take. I mean, I, I think, I think you have to pick your spots on it, right? I think it depends on the golf courses that you're doing that on and, and the fields you, you got to look at the whole, you, you got to look at the golf course, the scoring uh, potential, um, the conditions and which you do. I mean, I, I know you do that, but for listeners who are just casually thinking about it, I think there are definitely spots where picking a guy 60 to one or, or, or longer is perfectly fine. Um, but there, there are definitely some golf courses that you just see the cream rise to the top. And those are the ones where, you know, it's definitely worth taking, taking some of those guys in the shorter to mid odds for sure. So good. All right. Well, hot take, man. I can't wait to hear a little bit more analysis from you and Feinberg when we get rolling in January on the betting shows. That'll be good. Well, it's funny because um, I, I, I looked at Jeff because he's the one who Jeff doesn't like he looks at like fantasy national from time to time. Like he, he likes looking at it cause he likes golf stuff but like when yeah. it comes to making bets he's just like he doesn't look I at think it that this much. guy is going to win i am going to yeah. bet him win and he yeah. wins more than i do so <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well we had we would have had a, maybe some listeners of ours had a nice uh found found some cash with chess and hadley last week so we we had a debate on our show me and paul last week with chess and hadley over cameron champ and it worked out pretty nicely chess and hadley finished seventh Cam Champ 28th, and if you looked at DraftKings points scored, Hadley was 11th in that category, Champ 21st. So you definitely uh, had a little edge there with Chess and Hadley, and, you know, pretty substantially lower owned as well than Cameron Champ. Coming off the first win, getting a million bucks direct deposited into your account on Halloween night at Vegas at 24 years old. That was, that was, that would have been interesting for me. I know that. Um, uh, yeah. Well, who was the who the fake Tommy Fleetwood who got all the Tommy Fleetwood money? Remember that story from this yes. year? Yes, yes. <laughs> so so I mean, it's like that, but like you know, crank it up a little because Cam Champ is even younger. And it's funny because yeah. you were you did you, you didn't bet you bet Cam Champ two weeks ago, right? Yep. Yeah, and the week the first week that we right after up, I talk, right when I talked to you about him. Yeah, we were talking, and you were big up in Cam Champ. I was like, this is not the week. The Shriners is the week for Cam Champ, and boom, he goes out and wins. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Champ was kind of like uh, – he's like Neiman. Sounds like he's going to be for you and me I like and Cantlay for me right now. I'm just going to keep betting him again because I, I think they're going to keep winning. So uh, I think Cameron's going to play a schedule a lot like Joaquin Neiman even though he just won, so he didn't have to play as, as rigorous a schedule. But I still think he's gonna, He's young, he's eager, he's ready to roll. He's going to play 20 events. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if he wins another one. Um, I mean, the, the, the courses ideally set up for him are on the horizon. You know, I mean, he, he's, he's like a picture-perfect PGA Tour stud, as is Joaquin Neiman. So I, those guys in Cantlay, for me, are basically auto 
auto bets every week. Um, well, you, so. you know what's kind of funny, and I kind of brought this up to you, and just looking at his numbers, it, it kind of puts it out. But like he, Cameron Champ game nine point one strokes putting at the Sanderson Farms. That's why he. Yeah. That's why. Like he, had, yeah. I mean, he's always going to gain a ton off the tee. You hope that he's not a disaster around the greens. You hope that he's hitting his irons okay and that he puts like average and he putted out of this world. And that is not something that is typical because if you look at his numbers and the way that he plays, he hits it a bit longer. But there's, if you look at their overall skill set, there's not a huge discrepancy between Cam Champ and Luke List, except Luke List is actually better. Yeah. But I mean, like, they both now, gain off. Now the game. difference is now the difference Cam- is Cameron Champ has closed the door on a tournament early. Sure, but I mean he gained not gained nine strokes putting. That that if he gets because Cam Champ is like Luke List, he's one of those guys. If he can just putt like around average, right. zero, he's going to come inside the top ten, and that's what Luke List does every time he doesn't lose eight strokes putting he comes inside the top ten, and Champ somehow gets the like. But I, I think it speaks to the variance of putting. That all these big oh, bombers, yeah. so many strokes that they can have that week. And when they have that week, they are going to win. Well, we talked about it last week with Neiman. If you looked at the the previous tournaments Neiman played in, he was gaining strokes tee to green like he always does, just like Cantlay. You know, there's these certain guys who are just ball strikers. But he was losing three or four shots or a, a tournament on the greens in the previous two events, which is why his form wasn't great. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep rolling with him because I think, like you just said, if he puts average, he's going to pop. And he, and he did. He finished 10th, right? He, you know, he came up and did something. So, I, I mean, any, we talked about this last week, too. Like, everybody that wins putted really well. And obviously for a guy like Cam Champ, if he gains nine strokes, the field is going to get blitzed. But I, I also think that when a young guy like that finds it that early – um, and, and just knowing his demeanor a little bit, like he's a very calm kid. He's, he's, he's a lot like the, the Brooks, uh, the, the Brooks demeanor. I'm not going to say DJ cause I think he's a little smarter than DJ, but he's a lot, he's a lot like Brooks. Like he's very calm, cool, collected, very level headed kid. Um, I just talked, in fact, I just talked to his agent last night. Um, his agent was at also represents Kevin Kisner and I was at Kisner's oh. foundation event last night and his agent you know was talking all, to me about it. You know, all these guys, who's his agent? What's his name? His name is Butler. That's his first name. His first name is Butler. Yeah, his first name is Butler. Um, fantastic. But but he was saying like the and Butler's been an agent for years on the PJ Tour and years and he knows all these guys and he's like, let me tell you something. Cameron Champ is a real deal. He's as real as it gets. He's going to win a lot. And the attitude and the temperament that that kid has is like what we see really, really, really translate well on the PGA Tour right now, which is not John Rahm, not Jordan Spieth at the moment. You know, it's uh, it's not Thomas Peters. It's these, you know, it's the Brooks Kepkas, It's the, you know, the, the DJs that kind of can just roll through around, take the punches when they come, you know, hit your, you know, hit the driver when you when you need to and, and get the putter going a little bit, get a little confidence. And this kid's winning early. I'm just, I'm all in on him. So, and I'm also really happy with him because I just want some money. So maybe I'm just high on that. But uh, well, I, I think uh, he, I think he possesses the perfect type of PGA game. Like he's bombing gouge, and those guys totally. win. Yeah, they absolutely. I I don't appreciate what you have to say about John Rom. By the way, no, I like John Rom, but because I I feel like people give John Rom so much crap for a guy who is awesome, and but they're like John Rom can't win because he hasn't won a major yet. What is he like twenty two? Um, but the guy has 
a what is he have five wins the past two years? Yeah, he can't win though. Like I just <laughs> like if you want to like he's the world number eight right now, and Rose is number one because Rose just won in Turkey last weekend. But I don't know. Like if we were taking bets, he's always undervalued because people don't like him. Agreed. So like the top five in the world right now: Rose, Brooks, Dustin, Thomas, Bryson. The my, if I had to cap it right now that I would say that Bryson's probably going to be the number one player in the world by the end of the year. But the next five guys like Rory, Francesco, Rom, Fowler, Fleetwood, like I would say that Rory and Rom probably have the best shot of like making the serious run at those two, because those guys are unconscious when they're on and it's crazy. And like you talk about like the temperament and stuff like that. And like even someone like Molinari having such a great year, like he's sort of like one of those robots too, that, shows no emotion at any time exactly yeah very much like that if you look at the top four guys in the world rose brooks dj and justin thomas they're all robots bryson is not a robot and bryson no he's not no i i, I don't get it because me i've been on team bryson since the very beginning i just i love bryson so much i love that like he gets like pissed with people like you're telling me i can't bring my compass on so i can analyze the greens what are you talking about <laughs> Like people just gave him so much crap about like, oh, your clubs are all the same length. Oh, you didn't win any of your first 10 starts. You're terrible. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, just just wait for this guy. He analyzes the game like no other. And it's funny. Like one of the reasons I ended up on DeChambeau was I drew uh, Drew Matthews was on my show last week. He's like, this is a course where you're going to have to figure out your way around. He's like, it's easy, but there are elements at play. You need to know the sides of the hole that you need to be at. And anytime there's two things. So there's one, anytime that there's any sort of like legitimate strategy, that's not, I'm going to hit the ball as far as I can. And then I'm going to right. chip it on green and hope to make birdie. Bryson is live. He's probably the favorite at all of those tournaments. Cause he's a lot like tiger in that way. Like they just, they get it and they can outthink everyone else. And he's actively thinking about these things. And as Feinberg brought up any tournament that can be played on a simulator, Bryson's probably played it 5,000 times. <laughs> That is a brilliant take. <laughs> well, let, let me set the record straight because I love John Rom and I and I don't mind the fiery temper. He, here's what we know about John Rom. You know that that we're tight with his caddy Adam. He's been on our show a couple times. Adam told me specifically last year. Adam pulled him aside and said, "Listen, you can only go so far with what you're doing right now on the golf course. If you don't figure out how to recover from a a couple of bad holes or a bad break." and pull yourself together you're you're gonna flop and you're also gonna be playing practice rounds by yourself and nobody's gonna want to hang out with you and it's gonna suck to be a young guy on tour you're gonna be like the patrick the spanish patrick reed on the pga tour because this is this is coming out of adam's mouth okay and so i i even though i i know there's like that sergio element that fiery competitor element that i like in john rom there's a balance somewhere that I think he's yet to kind of tap into. Maybe he's starting to tap into it a little bit, but I think when he does, he's super dangerous, right? I think he can win without, you know, I think he'll win just fine right now as he's already proven to do. I'm not saying he can't win. I'm just saying, like, right now, if I had to pick, you know, the, the, the temperament I would want if I were building a perfect PGA Tour player right now, it's the temperament of a Brooks Kepka or a Cameron Champ or a Patrick Cantlay. You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of very even – I would rather have that all day long than even a guy that I like in John Rom. You know what I mean? I if mean, you're building I, the perfect PGA Tour player, and you got to pick one. Which one are you picking? 
it, it's probably the Brooks DJ type of mold. I would throw Jason Day into that mix too. He's very much like that. He's sort of jovial when you see him when he's giving an interview, but on the course he's yeah. He's unwatchable. He's, or he's passing out and and but, and but like uh, Antley is unwatchable. Like he's bad for TV. Like I actively oh, horrible for TV. I <laughs> actively root against Patrick Cantlay because I hate when he's in final groups. <laughs> I just I just love him because he feels he just feels like such a lock every week. But I get it. I hate watching. Oh yeah, him. He, he's such a lock. Let's talk about Shriners for a second. You know who could have won that event? Patrick, Patrick Cantlay. Cantlay. If he could, if he could get anything out of it, we joke like it, it's a running joke how bad he is at a bunkers, and he kind of rectified that a little bit. What cropped up this weekend? He got into a bunker and hit it what two feet? Yeah, yeah. And no lost bueno. like that. Yeah. That's the guy that can't close a major right there. You need to be able to do that. Like that, that can't be a part of your game because we saw it with Tiger when Tiger came back. Like those were shots that were in his arsenal when he first came back. And when Tiger finally got good and was able to break through, it's you weren't concerned that Tiger was going to duff a chip. And like, that was a real thing when he played at Riviera. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh God, yeah. is Tiger going to like flub this? Yeah. You, you, you weren't thinking about that. Maybe at the hero two years ago, you were thinking about that. That's what I'm saying. But even when he came back last year, like when he, when he had the first start against Jason, I, I just remember I, instead of betting classic example, I love Jason day at Torrey Pines last year. Didn't bet him. I just played a huge head to head him over Tiger at even money, which he won because he won the tournament, but yeah. I should have just him 20 to one to win the tournament. Like an idiot. I didn't, but like <laughs> watching him watching tiger that week, there was like four or five shots. Like he's trying to hit like three wood, uh, like off the deck, second shot coming into a power five or whatever he's trying to hit. And just like, it, it goes like sideways 50 yards. <laughs> like what, what is going on here? <laughs> like, but as soon as we got to July, that wasn't a thing anymore. He figured that part out, and you're like, oh, Tiger's ready to win again. And it was him getting through that. Like, Valspar was a good one. The first time he was like, he was kind of in contention at Honda, but he wasn't. It was that next week. Like, he had a legit chance to win Valspar. And then he just he didn't have it. And it took him a while to get it going again. And I'm not unconvinced Rory didn't let him win. And Rose didn't let him win the FedEx <laughs> win, win the Tour Championship. I mean, if it's me and I'm Justin Rose, I'm like, I'm going to win the FedEx Cup anyway and get my $10 million. Oh, he it's made it close, more, though, buddy. It's worth more to me if Tiger wins. I'll make more money yeah. in the long run if Tiger is winning than if I win. <laughs> the conspiracy theories coming out. Dude, I mentioned the I mentioned the Kisner event we were at last night. It's you know it's, he lives right around here, and we went to this his foundation event, which is a great foundation. the 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 crew of PGA Tour pros that were with him last night, who by the way, uh, most of them hopped on a, a a net jet this morning at like seven a.m. to fly to Mycoba together. Um, but it was Keith Mitchell. So you had some Georgia boys because Kiz is a Georgia boy, right? You had Keith Mitchell, um, Brian Harmon, who. I don't, Pat. I don't know if you've ever been to a golf tournament and seen Brian Harmon in person. Have you ever seen him in person? I've only ever been to one golf event ever. Oh, I do shows sad. every week. What am I gonna get? What am I gonna do? Where am I gonna go? Well, Brian Harmon is a tiny, tiny boy. Like he is five, five six, right? Uh that may be really generous. That may be really generous. Uh, he was so much smaller than I anticipated. Um, like Zach Johnson was also there. Zach looks like a, a stud next to Brian Harmon, like a like a beefcake next to Brian Harmon. Um, 
Stuart Sink was there and Justin Thomas. That was that was the crew that was there last night. Stu Manji's big, isn't he? He's tall. Stu Manji's a big dude. He he could see over the whole crowd. Um, uh, JT kind of big timed everybody, like like the whole crowd. Like basically, he came out, made his appearance, and then went back in the VIP room and like sat there on his phone for the rest of the night. Um, couldn't have been a nicer human being than Zach Johnson. Like could oh, not have been a better person than Zach Johnson. He was so cool. You don't love the Lord as much as Zach Johnson and not be a really good. <laughs> you just don't. Like you're not, you're not like so open about how much you love. And then all of a sudden, like you're a secret bad dude that that's not a thing. Like he's, well, he's a good dude. It, he backed it up. I mean, I'll just tell you. And, um, kids was, was being kids in very rare form. Um, up on stage, uh, enjoying himself to a, a many, many libations. It was a, it was, it was a. I, I don't think kids felt too good hopping on that net jet this morning. Um, well, but I it mean, was a, it was a good time. Well, here's the thing. I have a conspiracy theory. We need to know who the drunks are on the PGA tour because in Vegas, it's one thing. You can go to some guy <laughs> at the corner at like 3 a.m. He's like, "Hey, I got this booger sugar. You're gonna be fine for the morning. You're gonna have tons of energy." <laughs> And they have like legitimate places. As long as it's not a Sunday, you can go to Chick-fil-A, get some night great late night eats. If you're in Mexico at Mayacoba and you have a few libations in you, uh, you might end up drinking the water by accident or eating some food. Yeah, you're you not don't want that. You have to withdraw because you're on the Yeah, I would rather time. my guys be drinking, you know, cervezas than the water, though. That's for sure. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. But you make bad decisions when you've drank too much. That you might I'll tell like, you who's oh, not drinking on the PJ Tour, and that's Zach Johnson. I'll tell you yeah, that much. That, that seems very, very <laughs> oh, oh, highlight of my night last night. So Ben Little, who writes the chalk bomb for the tour junkies, me, Ben Little, and Pat are standing around talking to Zach. And uh, Zach, we're talking in the middle of the conversation, like, I'm going to go grab a water. Anybody want a water? And he looks at Ben, and Ben's like, no, I'm good. And Pat's like, no, I'm good because Pat's drinking vodka. And I'm like – it, the, like a really fast synapse fires in my brain, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna make Zach Johnson go give me a damn water. So I was like, Yeah, I'll take a water. And he's like, All right, cool. And he walks away, and Ben looks at me. He's like, Did you really just send Zach Johnson to go get you a damn water? And I was like, I offered. I mean, he offered. So, so I took it, and it was pretty cool. You know, you don't, you don't have a PJ Tour player bring you a bottle of water every day. Yeah, but I mean, like Zach Johnson seems like the type of guy that would just do that for you anyway. Yeah, he would. He totally would. He offered. But Ben was mad at me that I took advantage of it. And I was like, Ben, wh why not? Yeah, this is what you do. You, if yeah. people are going to get water, you're like, listen, you're a big deal in the in the golfing world. You may not realize that. You're, you're throwing all this praise on me from the beginning. Like, let's be real here. You guys are far more respected in the golfing world than I am. People just think that Feinberg and I are just two Canadian idiots who are, like, drunk half the time, which is true. First of all, uh, first of all Pat, uh, I would argue that on most of our – if you – Took the the sum total of all of our shows. Uh, I guarantee you, my Pat is way more drunk than you and Jeff Feinberg on a regular basis. Oh, see, that's why Pat and Feinberg need a show together. Oh my God, we need to do it. And I think Pat and Tim Andercust need to do a show together because they are both very equally weird AF. Yeah, they are. Man, Pat's shoes the other night were a disaster. <laughs> oh, how about this? Last night, so this event is at, is at Sage Valley golf club. It's like this, you know, classic Southern place, but we went last year, me and Pat were there last year. It's a, it's a very redneck casual event, right? People are in jeans, button downs, maybe a vest, you know, Ooh, some people wear bait. Hold on. When you say <laughs> people have like short sleeve plaid 
button downs tucked into jeans with a belt? No, 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 no. It's not that bad. It's not that okay. bad. Um, no, like like long sleeve button downs tucked in with a belt. This is what tucked in jeans with a belt. Some guys are wearing hats with their you know with their button downs. I mean, it's it's very much that everybody's dressed just like Kevin Kisner, right? And so Pat walks in, <laughs> and Pat is wearing what he wears to the bank every day. He's wearing the the shoes on his left feet in that picture. He he actually wore the same pair of shoes, which is good. The, the, in that picture, he's wearing the, the pair on the left and some black uh, slacks, you know, uh, with a nice crease down the middle and a black belt and a button down um, tucked in, you know. But he's probably the only guy in the whole room with, with uh, slacks on. And we're standing there talking, and Kisner walks up, and the first thing Kisner says to Pat, and K- Pat and Kisner have known each other for decades, and Kis is like, damn, Pat, did you just leave church to come here? <laughs> I mean, Pat can't get a break no matter where he goes. He just can't. He's like, I don't understand. I'm like, Pat, you were here last year. If you, if you would just think for a second, no one here last year wore slacks, black slacks especially, like maybe some casual khakis or something. But nobody's wearing their black slacks to the Kisner event. Maybe he came straight from work. He didn't. It's a Sunday. <laughs> oh, are banks not open on Sundays in the South? No. Are they open oh, in Canada in the yeah, like we, we got really upset that like banks weren't open. I like, when do I get to go to the bank? I can't go to the bank. I'm like, <laughs> I do 402 <laughs> podcasts a year. When am I supposed to go to the bank? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, not open. <laughs> Imagine not being things not being open on Sunday. Like where I'm from, uh, I remember they passed an ordinance when I was, I want to say like 17 or 18, right when I was beginning college. And they like they put it to a vote to the people like is Sunday shopping going to be a thing because nothing had ever been open on Sunday where I'm from because it's a more a more religious part of the country. And it passed like 98 to 2 percent. Like, yeah, we, we, we want stuff to be open on Sundays. And like I moved to Toronto and it was like, yeah, everything's open on Sundays. And like, <laughs> be real, if we weren't open on a Sunday, we'd be out of business. Yeah, I mean, we're in we're in the Bible Belt, so you don't you, nothing. Banks are definitely not open on Sundays, but um, so no, he wasn't working. He came from home, so he had no excuse. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, all right, that's well, enough about that. Let, hold on. The the only other time I was on this show, Pat hosted, and yes, it's very clear that you like just you would never have to listen to the show to know that you host the show because. <laughs> Like it happens with Jeff. Like I, I talked about it one time I was going on vacation. I was like, Hey Jeff, like what if I just get you a guest and you host the show and I'll be gone. It was just like, yeah, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> so that's, like, why, that's that. where, that's where having Pat and Jeff on the same show by themselves would be amazing. It, in a way. Sure. It was like, it's like you mentioned like cuss. If you had cuss, like people tell me all the time, it's like cuss should have his own show. We need more cuss corner. Here's the thing. You need cuss in small doses. That's what makes people enjoy him so much. If you got him every day, you'd, you'd absolutely despise him because you can only handle so many insane takes at one time. You need it once a week or <laughs> once every two months or whatever it is. But like, he couldn't host a show. Who Lord knows what he'd be talking about. <laughs> uh, one of my one of my guys I work with uh, today, um, I. I, I got to late lunch and I was like, Hey, did you already take a lunch? He's like, yeah, actually I took two of them. And I was like, what do you mean you took two of them? He's like, well, I made the one 
decision. I, I make this one decision every single year for some dumb reason. I just get a hankering to go check out Subway and see if it's any good anymore. And I went and I took a bite of my sandwich and I was reminded why I only try this once a year. And then I had to go to freaking McDonald's. <laughs> so I basically took two lunches and I thought of cussed in that moment. <laughs> but see, I like McDonald's. I, I can go in on McDonald's. It's just yeah, I but try the to... Subway thing. I'm OK with McDonald's, but it's the Subway thing. Yeah, like Subway tries to pretend like it's, you know, like this is healthy food. It's not healthy food. It's just like not as bad for you fast food that doesn't taste as good to McDonald's. Like if you're getting like, listen, I, I stick to a pretty strict diet as it goes along. Like I, I've even got to keep that girlish like, figure you got going on, buddy. I do. Like, and listen, I don't have the best figure. You see with my shirt off, like I, I got I got the chest. I got the upper abs. I, I got all the gut from all the booze. Like it's tough. <laughs> But that's why I have to work out seven days a week just to just to maintain the figure I had. If I was on like a legitimate diet, then, you know, I'd be fine. However, if you start, like, I've, I've cut out like as many carbs as I can kind of deal with. I love carbs so much that like I really had to stop eating potatoes because I was eating them every day. It's like, you know what, if I just give these up. But if you're going to go to something like fast food, like you need to go all in. Like, I don't want to go to fast food to go to Subway. Like, give me a break. Yeah. Well, in case you're going to frequent Subway more, something that you really need to think about, Pat, is life insurance. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, you could kick the bucket at any point having a Subway sub. And so all the things you work for would just it'd be gone if you don't have life insurance. You know, you're married now, Pat. You know, you got a lovely wife. And you got to think about your house and your, 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 your wife and your future, right? So you got to have insurance. How do you make sure all those things are possible? If something unexpectedly happens to you, our friends at Ethos can help you out with that. Life insurance used to be a pain. You had to deal with an agent. You had to schedule a blood test. Nobody likes that. When are you going to do that if you're Pat Mayo doing 400 podcasts a year? you got to read over paperwork that you don't understand. With Ethos, you can do the application in 10 minutes online. only takes 10 minutes. You get the honest upfront pricing and no doctor's appointments if you get a policy under a million dollars. No doctor's appointments under a million dollars. So eat your Subway, go on to Ethos, fill out the application, take 10 minutes, no doctor's appointment, provide your family with life insurance in case you kick the bucket from Subway. So get your free quote, submit your complete application, just 10 minutes now at tourjunkies.getethos.com. One more time, that's tourjunkies.getethos, E-T-H-O-S.com. That's a good good, uh, transition there from the Subway thing. I don't want to be sued by anybody. Well, I think I, I'm getting life insurance. So, oh, good. You should check I out have take, I have to take one of those stupid blood tests. And I'm like, yeah, see? But I'm, but I'm like, I'm constantly on heroin. So it's going to be tough. <laughs> Great. Uh, the ethos, I'm going to have an email from Ethos in the morning that says, you know, we're going to cancel um, any further ads because you had no, a, you got a heroin. No, no, this reaches the people. Listen, here, here's the one thing I've really learned about. Uh, about golf and you, you guys should really get on this because the DraftKings is really weird about like i always want to like i would do and like you guys limiting yourselves like two ads per show is pretty pretty good of you guys because you could put like four or five in here and be making some serious bucks doing this and i would be doing like 20 a show but DraftKings is the title sponsor of my show like yeah they the show so they don't want the other ads coming on but I would be like, you know what? Like, this is what we're doing right now. We're doing all the craziest possible ads. And I'm going to say <laughs> the craziest way possible. And, hey, if they don't like it, that's on them. Yeah, we, we made a decision a long time ago to try to limit it to two per show. And that happened when 
uh, one of our old host sites was like, oh, your show's uh, 60 minutes or 70 minutes. We, you know, statistically, we recommend uh, you do one ad every 10 minutes so you can get away with that. And I was like, dude, ain't no way I am putting six ads or seven ads in my podcast. That ain't, that ain't happening. First of all, I can't keep up with that because <laughs> Pat, Pat, Pat is no good on the ad. He doesn't do the ads. So I can't keep up with that. I'd have to do research. I'd have to do more research on the ad reads than I would on the actual content. And second of all, I wouldn't listen to a show that had six ads in an hour. So, ah, but here, here's the thing. I experimented with this uh, over the summer just a little bit. They're called Mayo's 10 second ads. So the, the big thing about ads is when, as soon as you, cause I listen to a ton of podcasts. So what happens is you get into the ads and as soon as you hear like the music for the ad, the background music, you know, you can read, you just hit that 30 second ahead button and boom, yep. you pass the ad and you listen to like the last two minutes of it or last two seconds of it, whatever. But if you have the 10 second ad, Ooh, then let's see where you're going with it, this. Then you can't skip past it. You have to listen to it because if you hit the 30 second skip ad, you're 20 seconds past where you want to be. Then you have to start backtracking. Then you might listen to the ad twice. I think it's more effective. Interesting. And, and you bring up, so I have a question just for the listeners because they're all fawning over the celebrity Pat Mayo on the Tour Junkies podcast right now. I'm you sure listen to a ton of podcasts. Give me your favorite podcast that you listen to outside of any sort of fantasy betting podcast. Huh. Well, I mean, golf wise, the only ones like I listen to, like, I don't listen to any of them every week. Like, I listen to. I listen to you guys. I listen to uh, Kenny and uh, Tambo now. You used to be um, Kenny and oh my Brad. god, why am I black? And Brad, yeah. And I'm thinking. I think I at. I think I can. Just I, I'm not thinking about. I think so I can. Um, and I listened to the, uh, the fantasy golf bag. I like Drew a lot. I think Drew's super sharp. Uh, the guy won the millionaire yeah, maker last year. I had him on last week. Uh, he's a former like mini tour guy too. So he, he has some cool insight to things. So I listen to those ones for like golf, but I'm just pulling up my thing right now. Like I have watch with Crappens as my most recent episode that I listen to, which is. Okay. What is that? Okay. Watch with Crappens is a take off the Andy Cohen Bravo after show. Watch what happens. And it's two, two gay dudes in LA. Uh, and they're hilarious. And they just recap Bravo shows. Oh my God. And it's amazing. My wife and I went to Montreal at Just for Laughs to, just to go see them do a live podcast. Do you have to watch the Bravo shows to appreciate it? I mean, yeah, probably. I watched okay. some of them. Like, okay. I watched Vanderpump Rules and I watched Southern Charm. Those are my two favorites. But I'll, I'll get sucked <laughs> into some of the Real Housewives just because, you know, I'm around and, you know, I absorb it. I love how you just own that you, you love so much trash TV. You know, The Bachelor and all that stuff. Like, you just, I like how you just own it. You got it. For, we yeah. live in an age of no shame, David. That's and true. Yeah. listen, the world could have a bit of shame and it would probably be a lot better place, but you're not allowed to shame anyone anymore. So I'll tell you the crappy TV shows that I watch that are embarrassing because you can't tell me that they suck because then you're just going to trigger me. And that's not fair. Well, we're going to talk about some TV shows uh, of our childhood a little bit later in the podcast, but let's get to, let's get to this golf course. I, I want to hear your I, thoughts. I have one more that people should listen to. What, what is it? Uh, I listened to a Star Trek rewatch podcast that is Yikes. <laughs> hysterical. Like, it's very funny. Yikes. It's called yeah. The Greatest Generation. If anyone out there likes Star Trek, The Next Generation or Deep Space Nine, I'm a big Deep Space Nine guy, but it's very good. And it's, what's it called again? The, the, the 
greatest generation. The greatest they generation. Were, okay. They, they were actually here three weeks ago, and I went to go see them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. We're getting into the depths of who Pat Mayo is right here. I love it. Um, well, let's 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 talk about this golf tournament, the OHL Classic Mayakoba at El Camillon. Um, it's been the host site for a while now. We've got uh, an interesting course, Greg Norman design, par 71. you got three par fives uh, on this track, playing a little, uh, little less than 7,000 yards. Coastal golf course, uh, you know, unlike some of the Mexico courses we, we, we see on tour, you're not at elevation, so you're right there on the coast. You're going to deal with possibly windy conditions. You know, there's, a, there's a, basically a big hole in the ground on one of these, one of these holes. There's water everywhere. Last year you had Patton Kazire jump up and win this thing. Um, Pat, any thoughts on the golf course or where's your research taking you in terms of like on fancy national and stuff like that and some stats that you think are important? Uh, I almost played this course in March, strangely. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in Playa del Carmen, uh, in March and I, I saw it like we, we drove past it. It was like El Chameleon. I was like, that's where they play the OHL. I, we should go. I, I talked to my buddies like, we should go play this. Like we were only there for, for three days, just a very brief vacation. But I was like, yeah, we should go play this. Then we didn't end up doing it. So I wish I had more insight to it now. But I, I the where are the courses? I, I think I saved them. Here are the courses that I have that are like corollaries. So you have El Chameleon, Cocoa Beach, uh, Corrales Golf Club. So those would be the Puerto Rico Open. Puerto Rico Open. Public mm-hmm. Open that they play opposite. I believe it's the match play, whatever that one is. But anyway, those two. Harbor Town. Just because it's a coastal course, it can get super windy, and it's also a very short track. And then Wiley, uh, where Patton Kazire actually you know, made his double run. He, he won this, then he won at the Sony Open, and then somehow he's at Eastlake. Uh, but that's also, <laughs> you know, it can get very windy. It's a very short course. It's a par 70. Uh, bombers can play well there. Short hitters can play well there. So uh, it's another one. And you can look at CIMB just because it has the Paslin greens as well. But I, these are just slow greens. So I don't think it matters whether it's, Bet, whether it's Paslin, whether it's Poa or Bermuda, that if you just look at the stamp and you find slow greens, and that's one of the great parts about Fantasy, Fantasy National is that you can sort by, like, these are like Velcro slow greens that you can click on Velcro and just sort by the greens where, and that really mitigates putting like in a big way that bad putters can win this course more often than really, really good putters. Cause I always feel like, if you get into that, like the middle of everything, like you have like medium or fast greens, that's when good putting really comes into play. If you have stupid greens, like we saw at the players a few years ago, the year that like Ken Duke shot like nine under in that Saturday yeah. round, it was like putting on glass. Like no one has an advantage because no one can make a putt. It's dumb. And if they're super slow, bad putters don't hit it eight feet past the cup. <laughs> like they can get aggressive from 25 feet. So it kind of makes the bad putters and good putters a lot closer in that way, a lot like Poa Greens do, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. But eh, when, when I think about that in these courses and I start thinking about all the people, like I look at the top of the board, you got like Ricky and Spieth and and little Ricky, a.k.a. Tony Finau, like <laughs> Gary's there. And the only other guy like DraftKings wise above $10,000 is Billy Horschel. And I started looking at the odds. And if you look at the odds, you got Fowler, Spieth, Finau, Woodland, one, two, three, four. And then there's Billy Horschel there afterwards i feel like billy horschel's gonna win this week mm. okay you seem like go back and look at the guys that have won this tournament before like yeah like yep. Charlie hoffman's played well here graham mcdowell has played well here and i know graham Pat mcdowell perez. 
Pat Perez, like Graham McDowell's like the coastal savant, but yeah. and even someone like Pat and Kazire Horschel is just a really good ball striker. He's not a great putter, but he can putt okay. But he scores on par fours. He likes these shorter courses. He's not a bomber, but he's an excellent ball striker. And he's a short hitting ball striker. Like I really wish Kyle Stanley was here this week. I feel like mm-hmm. and Chess, like where's Chess and Hadley at? Like this is yeah. Cool. That Horschel is like one of those guys that I can see him playing really well. So in terms of stats, though, what are, did, did you did you have you nailed down your key stats or you just kind of? I, I think so because it's tough because there's no shot link here. So you no. and that's and that makes it really tough to kind of dig in. But it also might help in a way too, only because like I'm going off of here are the guys that have played well here in the past. What did these guys specifically do well that I know that they do well? for all 12 months of the year. And how does that translate to that course? And ball striking is really it. Like approach yeah. is going to mean more than off the tee, but you can't, you don't need to be the longest hitter, but you need to be able to gain off the tee. So you don't need to be Cameron champ and gain all your strokes. Cause you hit it 400 yards. You could be someone like Russell Knox, who's not in the field, yeah. but like, he's a shorter hitter, but he gains a lot of strokes off the tee. Kyle Stanley is another one who I wish I was, he was here. He gains a ton of strokes off the tee, but he's more of a shorter hitter. And Billy Horschel's kind of the same way. He's a shorter hitter, but he gains a ton of strokes off the tee. So approach and off the tee are always big for me. So strokes game, ball striking, which you can find on Fantasy National. I weighted par fours more than I weighted par fives, only because there are more par, I mean, there's only three par fives in right. Uh, and then I started mixing in birdies or better gain in the brand new fantasy national stat opportunities gained, which yes, shout out Moose. It is fantastic. It Dude. is the perfect encapsulation of what I want out of a stat. All right. So I want, I'm glad you brought that up. So I definitely want to talk about this. So our, our boy Moose, uh, at the, the founder and mastermind behind fantasy national golf club, um, got, has this new stat that's, that's launched. It's called opportunities gained. Uh, and by the way, if you're not a member at Fantasy National, you can go to Fantasy National slash TJ and uh, Fantasy National dot com slash TJ. Yep, uh, I'm trying to multitask here and pull up the uh, the actual definition here so I get this right. So basically, um, basically it's a- any time a player has a birdie or eagle putt inside 15 feet. Yep. So to <laughs> me, it's it's probably going to completely replace my strokes gained approach love affair i see i think that anyone that uses greens and regulation as a metric like greens and regulation gain they should completely wipe that out but why why not strokes gained approach i mean yeah you could do that too i mean yeah you know what you're right i hadn't even really considered the, the correlation between those but yeah you might be right and you know, I, I think you, I think you and I both know that there's a certain insider of the PGA Tour that also really likes this stat. Above, I, I, I didn't even know that. Okay, well, there is. There's a there's a, a very very inside source that really likes this opportunities gain stat for finding those approach players. So for me, when I saw this was live, I knew it was kind of in the works. So when I saw it was live, I was like, yes. This is it. So I'm probably not going to have as much stroke scene approach conversation as normal having the stat at my disposal. So again, you're not on Fantasy National. FantasyNational.com slash TJ. Get you that membership, um, among other things. And I want to talk about another, another thing, too, um, in, just here, in just a second here. But I love the opportunities gain stat. That's what I'm looking at. Um, I, I, I talked to Paul Apian today. 
the guy who was on the show last week. Paul has played most of his professional career in Mexico on the Latino America tour. I said, tell me about El Chameleon and the Paspalum grass surface. He said, it effing sucks was the quote from, from Paul. Um, he did talk about how awful the greens were, but he also said worse than that is chipping from Paspalum is a nightmare. So I'm looking at strokes gained around the green, opportunities gained, and, and basically, you know, form and course history. That, that's, that's all I'm really looking at, and ownership, of course. Uh, because I do think that if you're, if you're not familiar with maybe these services, so if you're, some of these first-timers that maybe don't have a lot of experience on Pass Palum um, and, and maybe give some edge to those who, who have a decent amount of experience here, I do think short game and chipping is going to be important. I agree with you on the putting surface thing. Like it's kind of negated. Um, but for me, it's, it's the, it's the ball striking from, from the fairways. You got to hit the fairway here. It's the ball striking from the fairway and it's the scrambling if you miss it. Well, the, the guys that have played really well in past Paslam in the past in these sort of like resort coastal courses in Central America, like Bryce Garnett dominates these courses. Bryce Garnett. Jeez. What a guy. Hey, he won me a lot of money. I had the best gambling At day. That alternate field event. Yeah, he won the uh, the Dominican Republic. Uh, Put- That's right, yeah. or Alice, whatever it was called last year. But on Friday this week, I think I won. It was the best golf betting day I've ever had, which is saying a lot because I've had some good Jeez, ones. You crushed it, yeah. I swept the board on Friday and that's a hundred percent thanks to Fantasy National. Like I went to their the menu drop down live stats. Uh, it's it's still on the beta, but you can just see the updated strokes gain stats as the tournament is live. And the information that gives you versus like what the books are offering is such a huge edge. It's it's not a guaranteed winner, obviously, but it gives you such a lean towards what they're up to. It's kind of crazy. So I want to talk about my other favorite new thing that Moose has added here, and that is uh, DraftKings points scored. Um, so you can find it. You can find it either. You can look at individual players and see this, or what I like to do is go to the actual tournament page. So if you search the tournament, so for example, um, I looked at OHL last year when Patton Kazire won, and it will show you DraftKings points scored by player by round and then total. Um, for DraftKings points, which honestly, if we're playing DFS, that's what we're looking at. Like, you know, like I said, I mean, Cam Champ finished 28th last week, but he was 21st in points scored. So, I mean, you know, a little better than it looks on paper if you're just looking at where he finished. So, if, if you look at the OHL last year in 2017, I thought this was interesting. Of the top 10 players in DraftKings points scored at the OHL, there was one player over 9.9K. And then there were four in the 7K, four in the 8K, and one in the 6K. Um, the one over 9.9K is our guy at the top of the pricing to, for this week, and that's Ricky Fowler. Of course, Pat and Kazire wins. He was priced in the sevens, I think. Um, yeah. but that's a really cool new feature on Fantasy National if you want to kind of dig into, okay, who's scoring the points? And let me look at that broken down a little more. Uh, that's another one of my favorite things. So Moose just added both of those things within the last week. It's just fantastic stuff. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, and it, if if nothing else, it gives you a good gauge too. Like, we always say this. We always say this with someone like Bubba Watson or Tony Fina or Luke List and Cameron Champ is going to become one of these guys that 
what was the point total versus their finishing position, their actual yeah. DraftKings points versus where they came. And like, if you look back at last year, you see like Brendan Harkins, who's coming off a great week last week, he came 25th last year at the OHL, but he was top 10 in DraftKings points. Brian yeah. Gale was top 10 in DraftKings points. He also T25. So you see those big, big, big outliers. And then you see some of the players like Emiliano Grio last year scored 80 Point five DraftKings points. I was like thirty something. He was T. He was T nine. Like that's not yeah. good. <laughs> no. Yeah. So it's it's a really good insight if you're if you're looking at it from a DFS perspective. I love it. Um, well, I want to get back into the picks here, Pat, because you you bring up a name already. So I, I text again. I was talking to Paul Apian. Spent all this time on the uh, you know playing in Mexico, and I said, all right, give me give me a few guys you like because some of the listeners that enjoyed you last week are going to want to know. So he gave me three names that I'm going to share tonight and the first one that what's that i guess them um i think you're gonna guess one i don't think you're gonna guess the other two but go ahead i i was gonna say carlos ortiz joel damon and sebastian munoz and none of those three damn it i like so he he guessed your boy billy horschel okay he said your boy billy he said this is a billy horschel week exactly what you just said um the other player that he mentioned, you've also actually said something about, and that's Brian Gay. Yeah. And the other player that he mentioned, let me make sure I pronounce this right as well, um, goes oh. to... Adria Arnos, or is it the Norwegian guy? <laughs> no, I'm, I got to pronounce his uh, I got to pronounce his, his nickname right. El Cameroon, which is Spanish for the shrimp. Jose... De Jesus Rodriguez. <laughs> He's like $6,200. He's never made a cut here. <laughs> Paul loves him. Why, why is this exactly? Is it like, are they buddies? I, yeah, they're buddies. I told him, I said, dude, that's a hard pass for me. I'm He's sorry. 400 He's, to one. He said he's one of the best people on the planet, and he's played this event. Uh, sponsors exemption a couple years. He's scrappy, um, and his, his nickname's a shrimp. And I was like, all right, well. Good for him, but I, I just can't. I got that's a hard pass for me on on the on the shrimp. Well, I, I'm looking at it right now. I will put three dollars on him to win, three dollars <laughs> on him to come inside the top five at four hundred to one and a hundred to one. So let's do. I was this. gonna say, make, make sure you get an each way in there. Yeah, Jose De Jesus Rodriguez. Let's do this yeah. shrimp. <laughs> Book it. Um, all right. So when I look at Billy Horschel, I want to talk about Billy Horschel. Okay. When I look at Billy Horschel on the opportunities gained, which should be where he lights it up. He doesn't. It's not great. I'm looking over the last 12 rounds. I, we all kind of have our, our recent form number that we like to look at here on Fantasy National. I'm looking at the last 12 rounds. He's 85th in the field in opportunities gained, which I don't like. But I do agree. Like long, Billy Horschel's body of work is a ball striker, good coastal player, um, can play in the wind. I totally agree with that. So this is one of those scenarios where I think I'm going to have to examine ownership a little bit when we get closer to, because I don't even want to begin to guess what's ha- what's going to happen here with ownership. But I feel like he's, I feel like he should go a little bit low owned right between Finau, Gary Woodland, who's playing great. Um, I think people are going to be drawn to Grillo a lot here. So I feel like he could go a little bit low owned, even at 10 two. What do you think in, in GPPs? I think so, only because of the other names that you mentioned that are right there. Like, if you have a 10-2 Billy Horschel and you have Grio, who everyone loves to play at 9-7, everyone's going to play yep. Grio. Uh, Woodland, who, I mean, stati- statistically rates out amazingly 
in this field. He's $500 more. People are going to use Woodland. He does. Especially coming off the eight under on Sunday at the Shriners, too. Like, oh, yeah. But he was 40% owned last week on average. I didn't have a single share of Gary. I mean, I, I made the right plays and the right fades. If only stupid Canadian Mackenzie Hughes had made the cut. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Or Sam Burns had made the cut. One of the two. Yeah, I had some Sam Burns. I had. Yeah, I, he, Woodland was 40% owned last week. Like, that blows my mind. Like, you shouldn't. And you I, should I know, never play Gary Woodland at 40%. I think we're going to get to this later on. But I, I just th- there's no one I would want to play at forty percent. No, like no, I, that's I a hard like, fade. Two thousand Tiger, maybe. Yeah, that that would be it. Um, well, in this field, like Ricky Fowler should come in under own, but he won't. So of no. the top guys, like Spieth is probably the play because no one's going to own him. Oh, I, I don't guess know, that's the deal. I, I, I'm good. The most success that I've had. Like I cashed big in the five dollar at the Heritage. That was the best week I've ever had on DraftKings. But the most successful weeks that I've had is when I fade the top of the board. Yep, I I'm with you. And like, and I, I just rattled it off last year at this very tournament. You had one guy over nine point nine uh, in the top ten, and you know I think he finished. What Fowler finished here last year? Third. He was third. So I mean. That was the one guy. Um, so yeah. I, I don't know. I I think my only I, I do think if you're gonna play cash, I think Finau is a lock in cash. I would lock him in. In terms of GPP, I, I'm gonna say right now tonight Billy Horschel. But if he gets all this chatter and he's looking like ownership's gonna skyrocket, I don't know that I want to play a chalky ten to Billy Ho under any circumstances. That's fair. I, I mean, I, I worry less about the ownership at the very top of the board, just because Billy Horschel is not going to be so chalked that it's ridiculous. Like, there's no yeah. under no circumstance will Billy Horschel be more owned than Gary Woodland or Tony Finau. That's just that's true. Awesome. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that's going to take away from his ownership just right off the top because people love playing Finau. Who doesn't love playing Finau? Finau rules. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I probably won't play him this week just because I'll play Billy Horschel, and I haven't really done my builds yet to figure out who works with who, but. Billy Horschel is going to be my for sure guy above $10,000. And I'll try to figure out if I want another one. Like last week it was Bryson. And did I want anyone else? The only other one that I used were pieces of speed, but I used 80% Bryson. I think I used 20% speed that moved on my way. And I had some lines with both of them in it. And like my main man, Mackenzie Hughes, who screwed me or like Munoz and Seth Reeves and Albertson, like all those idiots were in it. So it kind of worked when I got the right combination. Had I played 150 lineups last week, I think I would have won top prize, but I only played 20. So it, it was tough to yeah. get all the right combinations going. But here's the fun thing about golf. Don't play cash games. Just save yourself. Save yourself. I don't, yeah, Pat and I don't do a lot of cash. We still do some and a lot of listeners why? do. But why, why do you do some? Because you're, you're sweating the 20 bucks? No, because I just feel like we have to. You don't like, have I feel to. Like, no, yeah. people, people who listen to the show, listen. If you're someone who needs to take advice from someone else to grind cash games, you shouldn't be playing. You're, you're, I love that. You're, yeah. you're here to win $10,000, to win $30,000, yeah, yeah. win a million dollars. Like cash games are specifically designed for people who basically do this for a living and want to grind it out. If, if playing on DraftKings isn't like fun for you or isn't like entertainment money that you would, hey, I'm playing DraftKings this week. Like I'm not going to, I'm not paying, like I went to a move IMAX last week with my wife. It, after getting concessions, IMAX tickets, and everything, it turned to be like almost a hundred bucks between the two yeah. of us. Like that's around what I spend on like DraftKings week, and I have far more enjoyment at a DraftKings. 
Like it's supposed yeah. to be, it's supposed to be entertainment. So if you're going to throw in 20 lineups into the five, I would so much rather throw 20 lineups into the $5 tournament than play a, a $50, 50, 50. And I yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more, but here's what I, here's some of the feedback I've gotten on this stuff is there's a lot of like new, like people who are just getting into it that are dipping their toe into this and they're, they're, they're cent tournament. do what and play the 25 cent tournament. That's just not what they do. Like people give us feedback on this. I, I've, I've talked to people. In fact, the guy I played golf with on Saturday, he, he's just like that. Brian Little, my boy. Shout out. He, uh, I know two guys with last name Little. I know um, two people named Brian Little. You do? I do. <laughs> that's weird. Um, anyway, like that, that's how he is. He, he, he's a golf fan. He likes watching golf. He's not a big gambler. He loves listening to the show, and he he just he likes to just dabble a little bit. He likes to see his his green screens, and it keeps him playing rather than sweating out the strategy of the GPP thing and losing every week. It's just it's just that's just what he said, and he's not the. I mean, we've heard that a lot, so I don't I, know. I, I find that just so crazy, uh, just only because like if I had twenty dollars to invest, and that's all I had. Uh, into DraftKings every single week. I could play 20 bucks. I could take my $20 bill, insert it into the, the DraftKings machine, and it would take my money. And what would I do? I'd probably play... Hmm. Would I play the single entry? I'm just trying to think of like how... I, would I know, like, would you play single entry or would you max out the quarter entry or something? I, I don't know if I'd max out the quarter entry. I might play 20 into the $1. But... I, I think it, listen, if, if you don't want to play, if you don't want to get into the habit of building 20 lineups, and I mean, that's one of the great things about fantasy national that basically as soon as I got a fantasy national membership that I just stopped playing cash games, I was like, Oh, I, I can easily make 25 lineups in less than 30 seconds. This is great. Yeah. Uh, no problem with this. I'll definitely do this all the time. And I, I become a winning GPP player. Like take out the 20 K win uh aside like just in general i'm up playing gpps this year like i've had some pretty good scores and i don't play high stakes and if you just want to build like a cash game lineup screw cash games just play single entries play the 12 dollar albatross instead of playing the 10 dollar 50 50 yeah use the same lineup you're probably good yeah um like in every single entry you should be playing cash or if you don't want to build a whole bunch of lineups play those three maxes those three maxes are good yeah, I like the three maxes. And I like the three maxes and single entries. I go up to the to some of the higher stakes single entries and the mid, like kind of those middle. I like those because I don't like I don't like building a lot of lineups and I and I use the the, the lineup generators, but I also can't stop from tinkering on the lineup generator. Like I see, I'll see I, a pers- I just move. I just make sure that like when I put my weightings in on Fantasy oh, National, like so it, much self control. I can't it, do it. If if it spits me out, like I remember last week. Uh, I mean, I can probably bring this up right now. I can look at my lineups. Like, who did I have? I had, like, Munoz, Elberton, Damon, Sam Ryder, Sam Burns, like, just below, like, 75 like, $7,600 and below. I had some other guys. Uh, Drew talked me into Kenny Perry, which was stupid. Um, what? Spent, no, I didn't have Spence, and I bet him first-round leader. But I had, like, 10, 10 or so guys, like, 8 guys, 10 guys, whatever, because I really try to concentrate at the top. Like I had 80% price and 20% speed. Um, and I had a lot of Neiman in my lineups. I think I had like 60% Neiman. That's the one thing I've yeah, been really trying to do. Like the expensive guys, here's what I'm going with. And like, these are the four guys I'm riding with the good guys. And then once we get down to the bottom, it makes a bit more sense to spread it out a little bit that, 
yeah, Sebastian Munoz is, is making cuts. I mean, he's making cuts all the time. And he's one of, he's a guy that I've only been on because of fantasy national. Cause he makes so many birdies. When you look at birdies are better to gain, like Sebastian Munoz is top five. And it's like, okay, this guy's going to make birdies. He's going to score DraftKings points. And he makes the cut every week. Let's play him. He's always the, the minimum price guy. He does exactly what you're looking to do. But if it spits out like eight lineups with Munoz and one lineup with who else would be equivalent to him from last week, I'm trying to think. Like uh, Mackenzie Hughes, let's say. Let's say they're around the same price. It spits out like eight of Munoz, one of Mackenzie Hughes. I will just even it out and play like five and four or four and five, whatever. Like I just, I don't even, I just think about it as numbers and percentages and don't get invested. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing the same thing. I just, the tinkering on 150 lineups, just, it's still just, and I just get into that. I have, I can't control myself on it. So you I, I like, no, cause I don't play 150. No, I, that's why I don't. No, I'm saying, I agree. Like, that's why I, I would prefer like your single entry, your three, your three max entry, um some of the like five dollar six dollar contests you know i don't I, I can't do 150 so no it's interesting had i have played the 44 dollar and just entered the same teams that i entered in the five dollar last week i would have come second and i feel bad about that but and i that's why that but i don't at the same time because i never put 20 lineups into the 44 dollars so why would i be upset but at the yeah same i'm time, not gonna like, damn it yeah, yeah. Although I do love the fact that in those higher higher stakes contests, you just don't have to be as perfect, and that 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 draws me to those. It, that draws me to those, and then the idea that I don't have to spend so much time building and tinkering with lineups, even with lineup builders, I just don't have that. I don't have that discipline. That's that's why I like those contests. I, I will also give you the other reason never to play golf cash games. You want to hear it? Yeah. Uh, golf is the most random sport there is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like in, in basketball, build yourself a cash game in football, build yourself a cash game guys with floors. There are no floors in golf. There aren't. Yeah. 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 Except for maybe like the top two guys, maybe. And, and you still don't want to spend that kind of cash. You don't want to spend that kind of, uh, lineup equity in a cash contest anyway. So. Of course. Um, all right, let's let's move through some picks here, Pat. So I'm I'm gonna you got to a lot. I know, I know, but you know it's good stuff. It's really good, like theory and discussion stuff. I think it's really valuable. Um, I, for the record, I'm fading Spieth, even though I know he's gonna be low owned. He doesn't check any boxes for me. I'm out on Spieth. As we get into the nine K range, I I like Aaron Wise. And at first, when I looked at the pricing, I was like, Ugh, Aaron Wise. The more I dug into it, the more I looked at Fantasy National. Checks the box and opportunities gained. DraftKings points scored. He's also not a, not terrible around the greens. Uh, he's fifteen percent owned last last week. He's played this event one time. He gained six strokes on the field. I, I, I really I'm really liking a little Aaron Wise this week. I'm going to go Wise over a guy like Grillo. Um, I'll probably fade Grillo for just pure ownership reasons. Um, so I like Wise and the other guy in the nine K range that I really like a lot. Is Zach Johnson because he got me water last night? Now he finished twenty third here last year. Um, it just he just you know he's a he's a box checking son of a gun. Twenty third in opportunities gained, thirty first in scrambling or strokes gained around the green in the last twelve rounds according to Fantasy National. Here checks boxes for me. He's steady as they come. Ninety three hundred uh, upside to win. Zach Johnson, Aaron Wise. I will play both in cash, both in GPP. 
Yeah, so you know, I'm not going to give you any good cash advice here just because I simply don't, don't, don't worry about it. Game. So uh, Aaron Wise's GPP play is always kind. I, I used him last week at Triners, but I always yeah. have a theory with Aaron Wise. Anytime that he can hit a driver is when you want to use him. Where driver means something. And I don't think the driver means that much this week. It doesn't. It doesn't. So that would get me off of him. But I, I think that game theory wise, like ownership wise, he's just someone that no one's going to own. Because why Why yeah. would why would you pay 9900 for Aaron Wise when you could pay $200 less for Grio or pay $300 more for Horschel? Like, I, I like, yeah. objectively, I like Horschel and Grio better. So why would you ever use Aaron Wise? But that's the intriguing part about him as a GPP play, right? Yeah, but I also like him. I mean, you're right about off the tee. He's obviously a bomber off the tee, but the opportunities gained last 12 rounds, 16th in this field, which means. Oh, yeah. and, and when he rates out in my model, he's higher than Grio is. Like he's top 10. Yeah. Now he's not. Me too. Yep, like me too. <laughs> it just. And, and that model is without any numbers off the tee. Um, see, my, mine includes numbers off the tee. You mine ball net, striking, so you, you have off you the tee. Do you ever stuff. include putting in yours? Because I don't. Nope. Never. And, and here's Never. the sneaky thing. Like you talk about like Billy Horschel in terms of opportunities gained. The one thing that if you're going to utilize something like fantasy national and look at stats and really believe them. And this would actually favor Billy Horschel, I think because his last three, his last 12 weighted rounds would be the tour championship, the BMW and the Northern trust, which he came second, third and third. But the last three tournaments that he's played, the champions C- CJ cup and CIMB, the ones in Asia don't have shot link stats. So he's played 12 yeah. rounds. It's just accounted for. True. So that's always something that you need to click on the individual player uh, to, to really figure that part out. Like, oh, okay, like here's how he's actually playing moving into it. Uh, and that, that actually requires some eye tests to be perfectly honest with you. Good thing. Those Asian swing events are like prime time overnight that you're good to go. But I, I really like Horschel. Like I said, uh, I can get on Aaron wise. I kind of like that. Bo Hossler. I find super intriguing. I think he's just volatile AF for me. Uh, I, I agree. How, how about this? Siwoo at like his... 9,200 bucks. Siwoo at 92. I was, I was waiting. Can, can I, we need the, uh, we need the patented uh, Pat, Pat Mayo Siwoo. All right. I'll move my mic away from my face. That, that's only fair. <laughs> so, so we can get some C. Woo. Woo. Yes. Right into it. Yeah. So I, hope I mean, our, for the listeners. Statistically, he checks it, no, but he's ninety two hundred well right now. He led the field in strokes game putting last week. Yeah. Like uh, no, no. As someone who's had money on Siwoo every week for the past <laughs> two years, and I'm up money because he won the players. But like just to watch him weekend, he gained ten strokes putting last week. And Yikes! He gained, he gained ten strokes putting and came fifteenth. <laughs> <laughs> So he's clearly a Pat Mayo, David Barnett fade this week. Easy fade. Easy fade. Easy, easy, easy. Put it this way. The the way that I always describe it is Siwoo is, I mean, he's not a bet this week because he's like 25 to one or something stupid, but like he has a bad week this week. He'll be 90 to one again. And then you just bet him every week. Like you should always. There you go. What are you going to do with uh, Cam Champ and Luke List? I'm assuming you're fading both. Oh, please. I'll always play Luke List. Luke List is a hero. He's a hero. He just moved to Augusta. You know, he lives. You know, he lives here now. You were telling me that, but no. Uh, yeah. Back to back to Siwoo. Just very quickly. Always bet Siwoo. Don't play him on DraftKings. That's the easiest way there to play. Because yeah. when he wins, he wins. <laughs> yeah. And when he doesn't, he shoots eighty. So it's a winner miss cut. Yeah. 
You, you don't want that guy in your DraftKings lineup. I love Luke List. Uh, he is a top 10 at this course in the past. And like, I wasn't trying to downgrade Cameron Champ by saying that he's sort of like the mini Luke List, but like he gains a similar amount of strokes off the tee. But Luke List has done real work around the green. Like he's a top 10 player on tour from around the green, which is a part of his game that he's really worked on. And that could really come into play this week. And we know he's a bomber. We know we can score on par fours. He has the distance. His approaches have been off and on. But, I mean, wh- where has Lucas popped? He popped in windy conditions with the Honda. He popped in windy conditions with the Heritage. Lucas weirdly plays better at shorter courses than he, he does. He does play really well at the Heritage. Yeah, you're right. So, so this is a spot where I think he can pop. Like, I'm going to bet him. I'm going to play him nine grand on DraftKings. Sure. Uh, other yeah, than that, you, yeah. What, what, what are your predictions on his ownership? I feel like I'm to blame for a lot of Luke. Lewis, you Luke are. Lewis, <laughs> you you are. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's so early in the week. Like, honest to God, using Fanshare and using Fantasy National is actually the way to do this because sometimes, sometimes I'm really off on it. Like, I would assume that more people will own Neiman than own List, wouldn't you? Like, more yep. people own Sam Ryder than own List. Yep. Yeah. More people so like, that answer the highest owned guy. Yeah. So he might be a little he might be a little passed up. You know, Luke List is a handsome devil. You mentioned windy conditions, Pat. And if there's anything Luke List is gonna need in windy conditions, it's a fresh new pullover from Peter Millar. That's right. And when you're playing fall golf, you got crisp air, the leaves are turning. You got you gotta you gotta you gotta get a little Perth pullover from Peter Millar. Me and Pat, my my Pat, I don't know about you, Pat. Do you have any Peter Millar gear? You ever worn any Peter Millar? No, in fact, in fact, generally speaking, outside of Peter Millar, I, I don't tend to associate myself with people named Peter. <laughs> well, it's it's a great brand. It's a great brand, and they, they've really modernized lately too. They're 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 pulling some fresh gear. You know, they're they're uh, they bought G four. I don't know if you know that that like really fresh brand that like is that in between? Is that in between the Gatorade and the Jet? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Just just like that. Um, but Peter Miller, it's a great brand. You, you, you need to, you need to give it a shot. And, uh, the, the pullover is where I would go, especially these times. You can wear it anywhere. Pat probably should have worn it at the Kisner event last night, but he went with that stupid button down instead. So you can wear it at a casual event. You can wear it in a, you know, over a nice dress shirt. If you need to, you can wear it playing golf. It works playing golf. It's very, you know, it's the right material you need on the golf course. So Pat Mayo, you need to do yourself a favor and everyone else listening, go ahead and get yourself one of those pullovers today. You and your golf game will thank me. So right now you can go over to petermillar.com slash tourjunkies to get yours. Check out some of our other stuff that we really like. When you go on that website, it shows some of our favorites from Peter Millar. You can use our link, and when you do, you get complimentary shipping and a free hat to also keep your head cool, your head warm. So that's petermillar, M-I-L-L-A-R.com slash tourjunkies, petermillar.com slash tourjunkies. You, Luke List, me, and Pat Perry, Four handsome devils walking around some Peter Millar. That's what you need, dude. If Maybe Peter Millar, if Peter, if you're listening out there and you want to send me some Peter Millar gear and want me to talk about it on my show, I'll either wear it or better yet, send it to Jeff Feinberg. You get Jeff Feinberg. Yeah. Jeff Feinberg is a shill for good brands. He, he loves himself a Lacoste. So this Ooh. could be a cost for him. Yeah, I think that I think it'd be right up his alley. I think it'd be right up his alley. We'll, he loves we'll a pullover too. He loves a pullover with nothing on underneath. <laughs> Which is a god look. Just bare skin on the pullover? Yeah, like a quarter like, zip? I, like, 
I can't really talk because I'm currently wearing a sweater with nothing on underneath, but like it's my at home sweater that's comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't wear this out, although I did to go to the grocery store, but I'm also wearing sweatpants too. But don't worry about me when I'm God, you you dress like a soccer mom. I kind of do. I I drove my my (laughs) crossover SUV. I just got a car for the first time in like 10 years. So now I'm just driving. Man, life's changing quickly for old Pat Maya. It comes um, at you fast. That's what I. It hear. does come at you fast. Give me, uh, give me some picks in the eight K range, Pat. Let's talk the eight K range. I got to. Uh, are you going to play Neiman? You're going to yeah, play I'm Neiman, gonna, right? I'm going to play Neiman every week, man. Neiman's good. I don't. Right, understand. What are you going to do with Sam? What are you going to do with Sam Ryder? I really want to play him, but me too. I, I can't. I think I'd rat. I think instead of playing Neiman, I'll play JB Holmes. Instead of playing Neiman or Ryder. Instead of playing Ryder, sorry. So, uh, as, as my Pat says, JB Holmes, because he's so redneck, he can't. It, it sounds like British, but Pat says JB Holmes. Is that is that how that works? You get so redneck that you become British. I, in some words, I guess that's what happens. But yeah, uh, I mean, as long as you don't start calling people governor, you're probably good to go. <laughs> but uh, going down that list, like I, I do like Answer, but he's going to be. Su- I, I bet Answer to win. Uh, the Allen Iverson of the PGA Tour, but he might be a good DraftKings fade just because he's going to be so popular. But right below him, like Piercy's going to be popular because he had a good week and has good good course history here. I love Matt Kuchar and I love CT Pan. Oh, I was I, so I have it on here to ask you about Matt Kuchar because, like, he, 2017, well, uh, 2017 Matt Kuchar, he's he's like 10 5 here. Yeah. Do you see what he did last week? What did he do last week? Let me let me dive in here. Just go go look at his stats from last week. Okay, all right. So so oh god, he crushed it. T to green, four uh four point four strokes gained. T to green, two off the tee, um four point seven gained in strokes gained approach for Matt Kuchar. Could not chip or putt worth a damn. So, so go, go go sort by putting for his career of all everything from uh, I think it's 2012 on anything shot link related and go sort by his worst putting performances of Matt Kuchar's career who plays every week. Well, that and then uh, that this five and a half gives it a run for his money. Also earlier this year in March at the WGC Mexico, he lost uh, 7.4 strokes putting. So he didn't putt well in Mexico there. His but second worst putting performance of his career. How does he do in Pat? Uh, let's look him up on uh, Pass Palom. Have you looked him up on Pass Palom? Uh, I haven't because they don't. Most Pass Palom doesn't have shot link. You don't problem. have shot link, yeah. You just have total, and that's tough. He is a very interesting GPP play, though, because he is not going to be played. I bet him, and I'm going to play him in GPPs. He's 66 to 1. He's the same odds as JJ Spawn, who I like, but like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, like, I like the GPP move on Hadwin, on, uh, not Hadwin, Matt Kuchar. Um, that's a good call. All right, who else you like? Anybody I, else in the AK? I, I like CT Pan right there. CT Pan, yeah. CT Pan. Anytime par four scoring means something, CT Pan's a live player. He's just been solid lately. He's really solid. He, at he's eight. good. He's a good player. Yeah. People forget. Um, what he, he won the USAM, didn't he? Did he win the USAM? I, I think he that. won like 2012. I want to say. Okay. Like, um, guys. Good. He's like three feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. He wears, he wears huge glasses, sunglasses too. Um, all I right, like your 7K. Boy, you, you were just talking to Killa Keith. Is he going to play well here? Because I like him. I don't think he is, man. 
Okay, so I'm going to unstar him. Keith, Keith is having a good time, but I, I mean, I don't know. Like he didn't he play well? Uh, did, he played well at the event. Bryce Garnett won, didn't he? When he's running, yeah, Dominican second? Republic man he came second. Yeah, I mean that that's not a bomber's track by any means either. So I mean, Keith Keith could. Uh, I'm just such a sucker for Keith, and everybody knows I love him so much. Like if there's a if there's an event where I can talk myself into fading him, I'll fade him just so that. Somebody can't go, well, you play Keith Mitchell every freaking week. You know, like, but so this why is kind of one of those. Let me ask you this. Why wouldn't you play Keith Mitchell every week? He's never I, That's expensive. what I'm saying, but. I, he's I, he's never know. expensive, and he constantly finishes inside the top 10 in DK scoring. Yeah, he's a scorer for sure. Um, yeah, I, I love I love I, I really work under the impression that, like, if you have your guys, you should stick with them. Like, just because they have a bad week, don't get off them. Like, you you, you have to understand that some of these guys aren't going to be good every week. They're they're seventy six hundred bucks. <laughs> like like Sam, did, uh, Sam Burns this week. Give me give me Sam Burns again. Give Bro. me all the Sam Burns after that miscut. Yeah, fifteen percent owned last week. Um, this is first time playing this event, but obviously a really talented guy. Uh, I, I see him as a really nice bounce back opportunity here as well. So I'm with you on the Sam Burns call. Um, Patrick Rogers, what's he going to do with 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 the, the Rogers and M up there? You think they're going to eat up some ownership? Maybe I only played Patrick Rogers once in 2018, I and that was believe... at the U.S. Open. <laughs> Weirdly, okay, yeah, I, I think me and you are right there. My Pat likes Patrick Rogers, but I've well, never been a big fan. I don't get why people like Patrick Rogers. I don't either. But people are infatuated with him. Like he's Jamie Lovemark's the same way. And I, I mean, I bet. Jamie oh no, Lovemark. I love Jamie Lovemark. So like, I, maybe I I'm talking Jamie about Lovemark in the past, but like I just don't get it. I know. I want. I just want him to be so much better than he is. <laughs> I think Lovemark. I feel like Lovemark's better than Rogers, but I just. I. I am. I'm usually on Lovemark. I feel like they're the same guy. What about what about your boy Kiz? Kiz should play well here. Good around he the should. green, good putter. He's All one right, of those so, guys good off the tee, but doesn't hit it far. So Kiz will not have his regular caddy on the bag this week um, or next week. Dwayne does Bach. That, does that actually mean anything? Yeah, I think it does. You think so? I, yeah, when you when you when you have a relationship with a guy like Dwayne Bach, I think it does. Now, I mean, granted, I mean, it doesn't mean Kiz isn't going to like try to ball out, but I, I think if you're looking for the slightest of edge in predicting golfers. It's something to note. Um, well, how, how about this? I know Scott Brown's in this tournament. Scott Brown is like the past Paslam king. He loves he loves playing in Mexico. His only win came in Mexico, right? Um, uh, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. He loves tracks where everybody's hitting to the same place. You know, uh, where where it's an accuracy. It's it's hit the fairway and then let's let's ball out from the fairway. He loves that stuff. Um, this this does set up to be a great track for Kiz, and obviously he's a you know he's a big player with winning upside. You know he could come out here and pop if Pat Perez or Pat and Kazire can win here. Kisner can definitely come up and win. Um, so I'm not telling you to fade him. I'm just giving you information that he does not have his regular caddy on the bag, and he will not next week either for the RSM. But the RSM is his jam. The RSM is his jam. Dwayne Bach, his caddy, had hip surgery four weeks ago, and he's he's recovering. So he'll be back in uh, January. Dan so. Dan Bach, just put Dan Bach on the back. <laughs> no Nowhere near the the same calves. He doesn't have the calves that, that Dwayne Bach has. Um, all right, I, I'm gonna get on Chris Kirk. I was I got on him last week. 
uh, I felt like I felt like it was going to turn around for Kirk, and it did. He played a lot better. Um, so I'm going to ride the Chris Kirk train. I love I love that guy. I have a hard time quitting him. I'm with you on Sam Burns. I am love Cam Davis. You you do like Cam? He's checking boxes for sure. Eleventh um, in opportunities gained. Dude, he scores. He just he scores. He, yep. He, he's a kind of like Mini Siwoo in the way that he scores and then just have horrible holes. I don't know what to do with Chapel because I should really play Chapel, but um, I'm, I'm not interested. He's not so interested. good compared to everyone else in this tournament. Yeah, I don't know that he is though. I mean. Like, Keith Mitchell, listen, I like Keith Mitchell. I like Patrick Rogers and Sung J.M. and 90-year-old Bill Haas. They're not in the same talent realm as Kevin Chappell. Hmm. I, I agree with you, except for I think I think uh, Keith Mitchell can get there. I don't think he's there, but I think he can get there. As it's constituted right now, even with Kevin Chappell like on the downswing. I I would take Keith Mitchell over Kevin Chapel this week a hundred times out of a hundred. See, I think I would too, but I think that might be stupid. I I don't know. I, I'm not. I, he's not popping for me at all. I'm not interested. But I, I mean, he's actually, he actually ranks quite high in my model. I'm not gonna lie. Well, I mean, when he's on, he's obviously known for his iron play. He's a ball striker, so you're right. I mean, like it's it, it should. If if you if you've got even halfway decent informed Kevin Chapel, this is a good spot for him. And everybody's gonna be on JJ Spawn and Sam. You know, well not Sam Burns, but everybody's gonna be jumping on JJ Spawn. So maybe it's a spot for him in GPPs for doing a bunch of lineups. I get it. Um, but is, I, Spawn, I don't, is Spawn a chalk fade? I think Spawn is a chalk fade. Now he's definitely a ball striker. Dude, dude sets up very well. But he was fourteen percent owned on average last week. Um, he's played here twice. He's gained eleven strokes according to Fantasy National. I think people are going to be on him. So, I mean, if you consider a chalk fade at this level, a guy who's going to be owned around fifteen percent, then then yes. I think that he is a guy that I will bet and not play on DraftKings. There you go. Yeah. That, that's I do think he set, that's think a good up really well. Around, by the way. Like, cause you yeah. need, if you're going to mass multi enter these giant tournaments that you can't be taking, especially like you can pay for like high end chalk 40%. Like you were talking about last week is a bit ridiculous, but especially like, for Gary Woodland. Yeah. High end chalk is usually really good chalk. $6,000 chalk. Unless someone's like egregiously mispriced. Yeah. No, so no good. Is a good fade. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I'm going to fade Harold Varner. Normally, yeah, I, norm, I normally um, I, I'm on Harold Varner. I'm fading Harold Varner this week. Doesn't check a lot of boxes for me. I see him being a popular play down here. He does score, which I like, but not, not really on him. Um, I think I got to keep rolling with Anders. Anders Albertson. In. Uh, you like him? I do like him a lot. So Paul Apian talked about him a lot last week, um, and, it, and it looked like he was going to miss the cut there. He got off to a rough start, but then came roaring back. So um, I really like Anders. He's checking boxes for me. Um, other than that, I'm kind of getting down into this. There's a few guys in the 6K that I like. Anybody else in the 7K for you? Streelman. Okay. Just because this is a tournament where he can play well. Anytime it's a yeah. shorter Anytime it's a shorter course, like if you are a member of Fantasy National, like I know it's not a par 70, but it's basically a par 70, that yeah. sort by par 70 and see guys that pop there and you'll see guys that play well with this tournament. And Kevin Chappell is a par 70 type of guy. Yep. Don't mind it at all. I think Kevin Chappell's, uh, I mean, Kevin Stroman is definitely, 
yeah, I think I think this play suits him all right. Um, all right, anybody else? Seven K, you good? You drop down to six K. Give me a couple yeah, flyers. Six K, Burgoon and Damon. Okay, like every week. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 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 usually with you, but I, I think I'm I think I'm I think I'm leaning no. I think I'm gonna go Ryan uh, Brian Gay. I think I'm gonna take my boy Paul's advice, and I think this sets up really nice for for Brian Gay. He's won um, here. Do what? I want to say he's won here before. If he has, it hasn't been recently, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's been recently. In the last five years, he's played here three times, gained 10 strokes. I think it was when it was a crossover event, not when it was a standalone. Uh, okay. I'm going to look into this while you talk. I like uh, Nick Taylor a lot. I think he's a good value down here. He's been playing really well. Um, been a lot of him last week. I'm also going to jump back on the Carlos Ortiz train. I know that's kind of cliche, but um, he's gaining. He's number four in this field in opportunities gained, 36 in this field in DraftKings points if you looked in the last 12 rounds. I think this is an interesting spot to kind of get back on Ortiz. But but one of my one of my favorite kind of sneaky plays here is a guy that I think a lot. I think we played a good bit earlier in the year, and I feel like we haven't talked about him a lot. Is Ryan Blom at 6,700? Is, is is he on your radar at all? No, he just doesn't score. It's the thing. Like he's all putting. In the last twelve rounds, I have him ranked twenty-first in the field on DraftKings points. Do you like using what's your favorite range to sort by? I like twenty-four and fifty. I feel like that I like gives twelve. You, like I if like I, twelve, and then if I go long term, I'll look at fifty or hundred. But I like twelve. Okay, I like very I, recent. I use last two years for long term and I use 24 and 50 as short term. My first round leader model uh, I have is 12 rounds because I feel like that's see to me I don't think 50 rounds is anywhere close to to exa- to exemplifying recent form. Really? Yep. I just think it comes and goes so much. And that that's an interesting thing if you listen to the show last week talking to Paul this is an we had a we had a very interesting show last week. It went long, kind of like this one's going. But there's a lot of there was a lot of theory nuggets in there. You know, Paul, who's a professional player and who's you know trying to make it on the PGA Tour. I can't remember who the player was, but he's like, I mean, uh, he's like, you know, I mean, he's in good form. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And I looked at the guy. And he was like, he was like, uh, his last event was like a seventy fourth. The one before that was a second. I think it was Hadley, and then the one before that was a miscut. And I was like, why do you think that's good form? And he's like, you're going to tell me a guy who finished second two golf tournaments ago isn't in good form? And I'm like, well, I mean, I guess it's not, I mean, it's not terrible, but I, I mean, I wouldn't look at that and be like, oh, he's in great form. I just look at it and go, God, he, you know, he, he kind of found it one week, but he's not, he's, he's not in like God awful form, but he's not in great form. And, you know, Paul was like, well, you know, the, the whole form thing is, is tough to nail down, but he, he likes a much, shorter look at it i mean he even went so far last week to say you know one of the things that i would look at if i were picking golfers every week is the back nine on sunday or at least the the full round on sunday because there are a lot of guys who just find something on that last day as they're grinding it out and if they can carry that over and carry over that momentum into the next week you've got something and and i think just as easy as a guy can find it they can lose it so for me to look at 50 rounds i mean some of these guys especially with the schedules they play if you look at 50 rounds, you're going months back. And think about how different sure. golf, your golf game can be that far back. 
the one thing that I will say is the 50 round sets a base of what you're actually good at over an extended period of time. So maybe short term was the wrong way to say that. Like 24 is, I think, a very good sample of what you've been doing in the past six weeks or so or the past yeah. two yeah. months. Or so 50, 50 rounds, generally speaking, depending on who you are, it could be more or less for some people. That's four months to five months worth of data. Here's where your skill set rests. And like it gets your aberrations out. It brings you more to the mean. That's the one problem with i don't mind like it, it when i use the mixed condition model i i use actually eight rounds and i use strokes gain total or i use strokes gain yeah i use strokes gain total just overall and that tracks recent form for me when i put that into the mixed condition model but like i feel like some of the stats can lie to you if you only look at it 12 rounds because uh, it depends on field strength like joel damon is the king of this that we we saw him pop so big in a lot of these models, but it's because he was playing the worst possible fields. As soon as he got into good fields, he was terrible. And you need to take that context into it too. So if you look longer term, he's not as good as he seemed as a lot of the models made him seem going into like the FedEx cup playoffs. And it does, there's no right or wrong way to do this. So whatever you're comfortable with, everyone should use. And uh, obviously I don't have it perfected. You don't have it perfected and no one has it perfected that there are different splices that you can take of all of this but i think it's a, i think that's a really interesting conversation because i don't think there is a right answer to it yeah it's just what we're comfortable with like i love munoz i will continue to use munoz i will use munoz every week he's my favorite guy along with ortiz and maybe even Harkins down at six, that level. yeah i like i like munoz this week too i like jt poston at 6500 jt is a short game short knocking accurate son of a gun did and you know when I when I cross reference El Camilion, Cocoa Beach, Corrales, Harbor Town, and Wiley, um, JT Poston came inside the top ten of total strokes gained. Love that, love that. Yeah, I, I think he's a sneaky play right now. I, I don't think a whole lot of folks are are going to be on him. Um, I'll star him. Yeah. What about this Adams Finson guy at sixty four hundred? He checking boxes for you because he popped on Fancy National. I believe he's Canadian. Okay. I believe so. I used him last week and he absolutely screwed me because he missed the cut like a jerk. So no, never. Yeah. The strokes gained T to green numbers weren't great last week, but he, he putted and scrambled well. And then the week before his T to green numbers were good and he didn't put very well. So he's kind of, it looks like he's everywhere, but I just, he popped, I, I, I'm scrolling down. I'm like, dang, who's this guy who's like super high in opportunities gained, but then you dig into it a little bit and you see a little bit. So you, you definitely got to spend some time um getting to know especially if you're a new user to fantasy national you gotta spend some time getting to know it but it's got everything you need statistically for sure so again fantasynational.com slash tj if you want to sign up and join you can do that um all right pat well we've had a, a fantastic one, one, one more name one more name Give me another name well i just want to know are you are you a big norm guy or not i'm not uh relative I'm not. to relative to the field i am not he, okay, as, as popular as Big Norm gets, he was 2.9% owned at Sanderson Farms. Like, no yeah, one so actually you play, yeah. Everyone on Twitter owns him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, I mean, in that case, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I am definitely, like, I don't, I don't hate the guy by any means. I'm not, but when you ask me if I'm a, a Big Norm guy, like, in the Twitter world, I'm not, because I don't ever tweet about him and I don't put, like, Panda emoticons in my twitter name every third week or you know I, i'm not i'm not that big into them yeah i i, I mean i'm not going to use them I, and also i think that calling him panda is the stupidest thing in the world but that's me 
I mean, that's Pablo Sandoval. You want to compare this guy to Pablo Sandoval? Go nuts. Yeah, I don't know that you can really make that comparison. Um, Pat, we have the final segment of the show tonight, which is the Chunk and Run. And this is a new segment to the Tour Junkies podcast this year. The Chunk is a golf-related question, whether it's real golf, fantasy golf, golf betting, whatever. The Run is a grab bag question about anything else. And we got these emailed in from a listener. Um, and, and actually, we've pretty much already hammered out the first one. And that's from a listener, Stephen Dunkelberg. Thanks for listening. Thanks for emailing in. He just really wanted to know about GPPs and cash games that we play, which we've talked about, um, how many entries we play in each, and bankroll spending per given week. Any, I mean, we've hit on a lot of this. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. I guess the only thing we really haven't touched on is kind of bankroll management. Any big like nuggets of wisdom for Steven here on that? Spend what you can afford and think of it as entertainment. That's what I do. Yep. Like I, I'll play golf-wise. I mean, majors, I'll... Like everyone else, I go a bit overboard playing the millionaire maker, which you probably shouldn't because it's stupid, yep. but it's fun to think you can win a yeah. million. Dollars. Um, but yeah, generally totally. speaking, I, I play the whatever the giant lower stakes tournament is, not the super low one, but like the one that guarantees the big prize pool, whether it be like the five dollar, the six dollar, the four dollar, it's been different dollar amounts over the years. Yeah, uh, I'll play 20 to 30 lineups in those, and I'll play a lineup or two in the $44, generally just one. Then I'll pick a, I'll use one lineup in that one. Then I'll use a different lineup and play one of the single entries, whether it's the $50, the $12, whatever. But I'll play between $100 and $250 a week. Like I'm not a big spender when it comes to it. Like frankly, I, I've talked about this with a few other people who produce a lot of content as well is that you run out of time to actually care about your lineups because you're kind of like I do, like football wise, I do a live show from 10 to 12 every Sunday. Like when, when do I have time to make lineups? <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, I, I will say, like, for me, first starting out, obviously my bankroll looks a lot different now than it did when I first started out, but I do tend to lessen my exposure, and I know there's some other people that do what we do that, that do it differently and think differently. For me, I agree with you. I hate these, like, no-cut, short-field, other-side-of-the-planet um, events. I, I'm just not as tuned into them, and I, I think you lose a little bit of the edge there. Um, so I do lessen the bankroll there, but in any full field event, I'm pretty consistent with it. Um, and, and I do kind of, like you said, I, I fall for the trap in the majors and the, you know, the players championship, I would add to that in maybe going a little overboard at times, but, uh, for the most part, it's pretty consistent when it comes to, you know, these full field events. I, I just, I probably cut, I'll cut my bankroll in half for, you know, a no cut WGC event, just, I'll, I'll even go. So. I'll even go more than that. I'll go ten percent. Yeah, maybe even play. I'll put an O lineup. It's stupid. Um, like it's all right. So, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's let's wrap up with something kind of fun here, Pat. This is going to give us a glimpse into your childhood, your upbringing, your rebellious spirit. This is the run portion of the chunk and run tonight. Question comes in from an email, Mister Drew Landrum. Thanks for listening. He says, "What were some shows?" maybe movies or even music that your parents had no clue you were into growing up? And were there any cases where they found out maybe you got in some trouble, anything like that for you, Pat? I'm trying to think of like, who I, I guess blue Nui would be the one, which was blue night on the French channel that came on in Canada on Saturday nights at one. What the hell is that? I've never heard of that. Oh, it's softcore porn. That was on the French channel. At, 
when, when I was like nine or ten in the mid nineties that like there there was no internet. I couldn't just access porn whenever I wanted to. Right. That like we, we would like tape and just like, yeah, you're like twelve. You're like, oh my God, like boobs, this is great. Sit simulated sex. <laughs> We're not even talking about like the porn like you can get on your phone now. Just like very like poorly acted porno. It's and it wasn't even porno. No one was actually even having sex. So it, I guess Blue New Wee was the one show that I was really big into that uh, my parents did not know about. Because anything else was like, I was. My, my parents are very young. Like, uh, my mom turned 50 last year. And my dad's 51. Um, and I'm verging on being old myself. So there was nothing really to hide yeah. from them. I kind of knew what I was up to. Yeah, that's very different from me because I was like the I was like the mistake, right? I was the third child mistake. Oops, we got pregnant in our mid thirties, and here I am. So my parents were much older, and my dad was a cop, and he was, you know, I'm in, I'm in the, the I'm in the South and like more conservative, but I, so I was very much the MTV generation. Like I was sneaking MTV. I was sneaking Beavis and Butthead, um, singled out with Jenny McCarthy. Do you remember that? I do. I put it this way. Here's, I mean, I kind of have the, I was also a mistake because my parents were like 15 and 16 when they had me. But (laughs) I I remember watching the front end. I was on the back end. Yeah. I I remember like before Tom Green had a show on MTV and made the cinema classic Freddie Got Fingered, which I love, but uh, that's a hot take if you (laughs) want one. However, uh, he had a show in Canada for like five years before that, which was the same show. It was just more aggressive and far lower budget. And my grandma and I used to watch that, and it used to come on right before the first two seasons of like South Park. I used to watch that with my grandma. That's what I was up to. You used to watch Tom Green's Canadian show with your grandma? Yeah, and South Park. The first like three seasons of South Park because she loves South Park. That's amazing. That's amazing. My, yeah, mine was like Beavis and Butthead, anything like, like the, the original real world road rules stuff that was just a little bit raunchy or whatever. And not that, that was, my dad really would have freaked out, but just. That was just a part of what we watched. Like we used to sit down for dinner, five o'clock every yeah. day. Simpsons would be on, then Fresh Prince would be on. And we'd just sit there and watch it while we ate. My, my dad did not like The Simpsons whatsoever. So I, I did sneak The Simpsons, but not, not much. He did not like The Simpsons. My, my, now, my wife's. Way. Like she didn't watch Simpsons growing up, which blows my mind. Like they, like I feel like the Simpsons now, rate. <laughs> I did, I, I did. Now the same man, my father, uh, sh- let me watch Silence of the Lambs at like nine. A good detective movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was horrified. Um, the only other thing I remember is music. I was big into music, as anyone who listens to the show knows. Like I'm a huge music fan. And I do really enjoy R&B and hip-hop. My mom loved R&B and hip-hop. And so when I was in the car with her, I could listen to whatever I wanted. But dad did not like R&B and hip-hop. And so I vividly remember my mom. Do you remember um, <laughs> Do you remember when, like, the Hot Boys were a thing? And, like, Juvenile, Lil Wayne, Birdman had come out. Um, Juvenile had a song called Oscar Meyer. Do you remember that song? don't i'm a, i know i i do not read this feels like the hook late 90s early 2000s crap <laughs> it is is later 90s it's not i don't think it was 2000s yet it was later 90s but so i'm like well the, the, you were listening to, basically well you were listening to trash hot boys i was listening to will 2k 
Oh, yeah. I think I think yours was worse. I, I, um, maybe worse, yes, but you're very clean. Well, yeah, I mean, just like worse quality. Um, yes, the, the, the 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 Oscar Mayer song, the hook was, uh, "I got that fire, I got that fire, girl, holla at a woody if you want that Oscar Mayer." <laughs> and I remember singing that song with my mom, and I mean, my mom also singing it in the car, right? But then. If I went into my room, I could not play that song or my dad would wig out. So that was a no-go. And I remember one time he found a CD of mine. I think it was a, uh, I think it was a 112 album. And it had the, the, some very suggestive song titles. Like if you just looked at the back and you read the titles, you knew that a lot of it was about sex. And he um, threw the CD out of the window and got mad at me. <laughs> so that, oh. that was the only time I remember like getting in trouble. <laughs> 112 so used it. to be thanks for the question there. 112 used to pop up with Mace all the time as I recall. Yeah. Dude, I freaking love Mace. What happened to Mace? You know what happened Har- to Mace? You don't was know. Har- Harlem World was too big for him? No, no, so he had Harlem World was huge, right? Then he became a pastor and released a clean, completely clean Christian rap album, okay? Um, you need to look this up on iTunes, by the way. Then, then very recently, like in the last two years, apparently he's gone away from that now, and he's back to like Bad Boy Mace. And his latest album is more reminiscent of the Harlem World album. So what you're saying is that Christian rap didn't pay. It didn't pay for Mace. No, it did not. <laughs> it didn't pay the bills. <sighs> Poor guy. What a jam-packed podcast we just had, Pat. It was like two hours. Yeah, it was way too long. But, you know, we're going to roll with it. It's Let's highly informative. You know? Just remember that anytime that you, if you go to iTunes and you see a podcast that's like over two hours, make sure you're on Wi-Fi to download that bitch. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you download it. Don't stream it, too. That's another reason. Oh, obviously. Um, but, man, I, I really enjoy talking to you. I, I guess it is the first time that I've had you on the show. Because uh, we, we had you on the show and it was a pat-on-pat action while I was on vacation. But it was a good time, man, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, all your support of the Tour Junkies podcast. And um, all the listeners, you know, at the PME on Twitter, if you're not doing that, I don't know where you've been. But surely there's not a listener that we have that doesn't follow you on Twitter if they I mean, follow us. But I, I wouldn't follow me on Twitter. I have to be the worst Twitter follow possible. All I do is just tweet out my links to shows. That's it. It must be annoying. Yeah, but you got you to gotta know where to find them, man. There's 400 shows. I mean, I, if I can go to the Twitter page and I can get all of them right there, I, that's, that's what I need. I mean, that, that's what I'm you up to. Twitter I mean, it's, it's purely a promotional like, device for me. Other than that, like people like get mad at me. No, I think people like to see you sweat it a little bit, too, like, like you did this weekend. Like People like the, the, the raw uh, Pat Mayo sweats going on, too, every now and then when you, when you got a heater going. Or... The really self-deprecating Pat Mayo when you just totally bomb a week. Those are fun, too. I mean, that happens a lot. So if you do like to see me bomb, follow me on Twitter. I'm not going to hide it. People, <laughs> like, I make my picks public so people know what I'm up to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it, man. I love it. You're, it, it is hard. It is very hard to hide. Um, well, man, we appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, wish you the best, and uh, we'll obviously be in touch. Thanks for filling in for for my Pat. Uh, Pat will be back next week. He is confirmed. So 
Pat Perry back in the Tour Junkies podcast. As of my tweet me today if the divorce was final or not and when Pat was coming back. So there is no divorce. He's just taking a quick little hiatus. That's that's it. So well, when you promote and, this, when you promote the show, you'd be like, Pat is back. We got Pat. And like they'll click and it'll be me and they'll be like pissed. And then they're gonna get you. <laughs> uh, well, I, I responded to that tweet and said we are getting Pat is back tonight, but it's of the Mayo variety. He did text me while this was going. Um, on, by the way, Pat Perry did. He did. Yeah. What he what he text you? Anything of significance? He just told me to give you shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, little does he know, we just basically made fun of him for half the show. So no, that's not fair. You made fun of him. Also, get guess who's coming to visit me this weekend? Staying at my house. Who? Tim Andergast. Oh yeah, y'all need to do some Periscope. No. <laughs> Why no, not? No, 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 no. It's always a good time. I love getting pat my pat in front of a Periscope. So yeah, you, you Tim. Can do that. Tim is an uncomfortable guy in front of a periscope. That's why he doesn't get the, the video. That's why he's always audio. <laughs> All right. Well, one of these days we need to make it happen. We need to make the we need to make the Pat Perry Jeff Feinberg podcast happen, or the Pat Perry Tim Andercuss podcast happen. And we'll, look, the, we'll get three, we'll get three of them on. I, I I may or may not, for unknown reasons, be taking some time off at the beginning of the new year. So maybe oh, I can fill okay. in those okay. three. <laughs> yeah let's work it out man appreciate you thanks for coming on great show now you know what you have to do at the end right you have to do you have to replace pat and do the out do you, do you know can't how to do, do that can't do it no i can't do it you, i can't do it they'd be stepping on his thing yeah i can't step on his thing you're an honorable guy all right well i'll do my thing thanks everybody for listening we appreciate it shout out to pat mayo Go check them out. Listen to the Pat Mayo Experience. Download the Pat Mayo Experience. And uh, we'll be back next week for the RSM. May your screens be green. See ya! Out!